Uh, welcome to what episode is it, Yanko? Forty-four. I know, man. You guys were doing the ones in Paris. Forty-five. This is like the old, the old way. Well, first of all, I guess, uh, I guess is going to be someone we all love, Duncan. What's going on, my brother? All right. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm replacing Chad at the request of uh, Yanko because he didn't want to have another forty-five minute ear beating about why Monty. It's going to be really awesome and beat fans or whatever the fuck that was. That was an abomination, mate. What the fuck was that episode? <laughs> you should have cut him off, Moses. You should have cut him off, mate. Mate, I, I was just, I was sat there and I was like, I'm just letting this one play out. I can't believe it was 40 minutes long. Because the thing is as well, yeah, not even like Janko was feeding into it. He was just basically like, I'm not asked, mate. And Chad was like, no, you must. You must argue science and reason with me about why Monty is better. Like, what a rubbish take. <laughs> I like how he was just so triggered by me not was, changing. Yeah. My POV, right? Like it was just, he couldn't really fathom my way of thinking. And then, but of course, Faze wins like with a bullshit comeback 16 14. After I was going like, to say, tell 10. me honestly, watching that game, did you get a little bit nervous? Were you just like, oh shit, this is going to be insufferable? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think a little bit, but it was also Faze. So I was like, I knew there was a good chance that they will just come back. If they win like two rounds, then all the pressure is on, on Monty and they might choke. I mean, you could see after the game was over, like SDY, his hands were literally shaking yeah, from all the adrenaline and everything. So it turned out to be like, I don't know, I guess in that game I was right, but <laughs> for the major, I guess it was Chad's. Yeah, uh, he, got 50, his, 50. he got his upset. Here's the thing. You got the opposite. You're right, Yanko. But like, that's actually the part of that narrative that I thought was whack about the major is the the two teams that the Atlas all hyped, the underdogs, was nine and fucking Monty. It wasn't Game of Legion Apex and Into the Bridge. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. And especially like the Monty team. Blew, by that logic, they blew the easiest fucking quarterfinal of all time. They were supposed to win that one. Like, they, if people don't know, they were the one online that was like playing a million tournaments and wrecking everyone had like 75% win rate on every map and that. But it was actually all the no name was like fucking Game of Legion that won. And that's Bro, so and wild because they go from completely stomping Navi. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Navi in that one to then, you know, losing in the in the quarterfinals. Shitting the bed is I believe how we how we phrase it in America. It was sad. Yeah, it's wild. And for me, I mean for nine, I watched them all. I did this brazy <laughs> thing right <laughs> okay. before. Uh the the major and you watch them play and they are like they are really good on vertigo right? Sure. But they couldn't win Ancient to save their lives. So what they did was they swapped their permaban Inferno for Ancient for the Major. But that's the problem. In Best of Ones, you know, people figured out like they, they're not going to obviously give them Vertigo or Nuke. They're pretty good on Nuke too. And you know, then they're like good on Anubis, okay on Overpass. But that's they got Overpass first map, sort of choked it away a little bit against Liquid. I mean, they couldn't win any fights. And then all of a sudden... You know, now you're all two down and, and the road is like pretty hard. Like I, I think for them it was going to be matchup dependent, right? Like they two owed Vitality at the RMR, but Vitality vetoes ancient. So that was like the ideal map pool for for nine. But I don't know, man. I feel like watching this major and like tweeting, I'd like to say that I I got an I got like a taste of what it's like for you every day, Duncan, when you interact. Oh, people just hate on you. With people not just hating, but it's also like people just not really like understanding the argument. And yes. they're they're arguing against something else, right? Like one of my favorite ones was when I just I just tweeted Vitality's playoff opponents, right? Yeah. That was the tweet. 
in in its in itself, right? And then there's so many people. Oh, and then they, I, I can already guess they were just like, how how can you say that? Because they're going to play the ones facing them, and you yeah. implying that this is a bad run. Like, oh, so you yeah. think they should have beat this? So G two should have won. It's like, holy shit! I didn't say any of that, bro. Like, I just said yeah. the three teams I, they factually played. Yeah, and that's like, and and <laughs> yes. here's the here is the argument. Here is like the twist, the part, the whatever is the name for it. Is like if that whole run of opponents if there was nothing like if, if it was like completely fine then those people wouldn't feel the urge oh, to tweet not. at me they would just like you know they just wouldn't reply to the tweet it would just be there right yeah but because they know themselves it's not like yeah, exactly proper that's why they're jumping to defend it yeah. right like if it was yeah. proper you wouldn't jump to defend it in the first place and i even like i phrased the second tweet poorly because I'm just like fucking, I, I'm not expecting a shitstorm to to come my way, you know, based off of that tweet. <laughs> I even I tweeted something along the lines of, you know, it, it kind of sucks for Vitality because I really considered them to pe- to to be peaking right now, you know, sure. like, and they would have had uh, a legit something like that. I use the word legit, you know, sort of. Uh, kind of making it like this was illegitimate, which it obviously isn't. I mean, they can only play whoever they can. But, uh, you know, saying that even if they faced FaZe or Heroic or G2, you know, they would be the favorites still. Navi, you know, like they would they would probably still have a good chance of winning that series. And then I said, like, now this will be like the easiest bracket in major history, you know? Especially if you had, like, they played Monty in the best of three oh, before the way, the- by, by HLTV rankings, it is. Inarguably. None of the teams that they played were in the top 30 before the major started. They weren't in the top 30. Like that's just, you know, it's just ridiculous, right? But, you know, that, that's how it worked out for them. They're going to take that every day. They don't give a fuck. Like they're yeah, just going to, to win those games and, and that's fine. And then again, you know, oh, you're calling it easy. And now that's a little bit of a mind game for, for them. It's like, well, it's not easy because no major run is easy in itself, but comparative to other runs, it is the easiest, you know? Oh, it's the, that, it's that was my way of explaining myself all that. Here's the problem with that, that topic <laughs> is, again, right, if we can't say it's like the worst major run or the easiest one, then no then no major run can be the best. No major run can be good. They're all just equally whatever. Like yeah. the logic would go by their logic, right? In theory, according to them, it would actually be easier to play Na'Vi because they were sort of limping through the tournament in the round of eight. But everyone who knows Counter-Strike knows it's another day. Na'Vi might just wake up and completely spank your ass. Whereas actually the opposite could have happened. Like these teams could all have shit the bed. They didn't actually. That's the craziest thing. If you actually look at the three teams that Vitality played, in the matches against Vitality, they all competed actually. It was pretty good. But yeah, on paper, like you say, you would take that all day long. Like If you were someone who hadn't won a major and someone said, do you want these three opponents? Even if you heard, yeah, they want some beer ones, they were good into it. You'd just say, yeah, of course. You wouldn't say, no, please, I want Heroic to make the final. Please have Team Liquid in the semis. Even though I agree with you, that would legitimize your run in the context of all the runs ever. But I know the point you're making about Twitter, though. Like, one, that's a fun game you can play if there's ever a fan base you want to trigger. So I do do that, which is you only tweet facts, but ones like you're saying, Yanko. So I'll give you an example. I did that tweet where I just said, at the exact same age that Zewu is now, Simple did this at the majors. I just showed you, like, two finals, like, four semis, like, eight quarters, 
Zewu has, at the time, zero finals, zero semis, and it was like two quarters or something. Now, I've said nothing there, Yanko. That is just a fact. There's no other way I can say the fact without lying. <laughs> but because I've posted it, obviously, they're all like, so you're saying he's not going to make it. So you're, say- so, so you're saying when he lost those matches, he couldn't, it's like, I haven't said any of that, but I am enjoying watching you fucking just go off. Like, it's like how, in England, you say, I just wound up the fucking, like, the key in your back and just let you go like a little toy soldier or whatever. But the other thing as well that they're doing there, Yanko, is I have a theory that goes, because these fans are just like a fan on the internet. I don't think they actually have people to have the convos they want to with about the game with. So when they see anyone sort of vaguely on their timeline, that like if, you don't even have to say the opinion. If you just sort of vaguely, tangentially talk about like the idea, maybe Vitality an easy run, if they just want to go off about Vitality not having an easy run, so they're just waiting, and then they don't really try and understand your point. It's more like, right, this is my chance, and they just tag on to your shit and make it into something else, don't they? But- but there's so many ludicrous takes, like what, what you said <laughs> as well. Man, it's like people are tweeting at me. They were saying like, yeah, well, uh, you know, whatever, Gamer Legion and Apex like made it and uh, uh, G2, for example, and Navi didn't. So uh, that those, are, that those are the tougher opponents for Vitality because they're playing <laughs> better in this tournament. Like that, that's, that's what people actually believe. They actually believed Vitality was going to have a tougher time against Into the Breach and Apex rather than <laughs> uh, Navi and, and G2 or, or Liquid or whoever it is, which is like so ludicrous. And you can't really get into it on Twitter, but I'll explain to you guys now why that premise is ludicrous. So... Yes, the favorites have lost. And also, by the way, fuck off with this thing where, oh, yeah, these teams beat these good teams. No, actually, they had to play each other most of the time because That's of the true. seeding. Yep. Or maybe, you know, like into the bridge beat phase in a best of one or something like that. And sure, G2 fucked up their own chances, losing the best of three to Fnatic and probably could have won both best of ones and whatnot, blah, 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 blah. But one of the reasons why these teams lose or maybe the biggest reason why they lose to underdogs is the pressure the pressure gets to them right the pressure of losing to a tier two team the pressure of not making it even into the playoffs fucking up the last major in csgo and 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 so on and so on well imagine what you get to the playoffs and you play against a team like vitality when there's no really much pressure there is it like it's fine you know quote unquote to lose to them that's okay that's not like a disaster it's not a failure and when you play without pressure or with less pressure, you're going to most likely play much better. So the outcome can potentially also be different. So that's all, not to mention the experience of the players on stage, how much better some teams are on stage compared to, you know, playing in the studio environment and whatnot. So no one's going to ever convince me that Vitality would have had an easier time against, you know, G2, Navi, despite all their issues and their problems than they than they, they they had had against into the breach man against you know some of the caliber of players that they had who played great in this tournament and that's why they were able to to make the deep run and props to them for that you know they've earned their way into it but there's a reason why we didn't see them in other tournaments you know why we see these teams only at majors like bad news eagles or like gamer legion even like you know, there's a lot of qualifiers. Even nine made it into IM Rio. So these teams like have opportunities to qualify. Sure, not as many as maybe you would like, or or maybe as many as they deserve. But wait, did you do you did you say that you think G two had more pressure in the chal- or in the legend stage than they would have had in the champion stage in the playoffs? I think it depends on who they play. 
Is it I like think, a, based think, off like comfort of having faced off against like the vitality so much? Is this like the idea of like yeah, and also like being more you know how the tier one teams always say they hate playing you know lower tier teams because right. oh they do this random which is that, that's another that's a stupid excuse because you need to know how to play against lower tier teams. There's a difference in the way you play them, which is why heroic, ironically enough, until the fucking semifinal of the major, never really got upset, upset. by these teams. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a fucking hurt, painful upset to watch. They fucking collapsed in that third map. And th that's it as well. Tell me, like, they played the day before, two days before <laughs> against FaZe on Decider Mirage. And you're going to tell me that that was the same heroic? Bro, yeah, well, I mean... No, of it, course not. But you have to be, if you're Gamer Legion, you have to take advantage of that, right? So it doesn't sure. matter Man, if they're playing that, shittier. That, what you're saying there is the number one beef I have with, like, this abstract discussion about the major like this discussion you're talking about of was it actually that the tier two teams are as good or better than some of the tier one teams mixed with did the partner system shield these teams right spoiler there's no shielding g2 when they're at Kadavitsa. they just spanked all the best teams in the <laughs> world and wrecked them all usually not losing a map like the reason why that's such a whack take is because what you're actually saying is i don't have an eye test i have to just look at the result and hope the winner was better whereas as yanko just said watch heroic in that Mirage decided against FaZe, and that was almost the best heroic you'll see. Like, Tessus had the game of his life, mate. So every, every yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, every fucking headshot was straight clean, like instant winning of duels. Meanwhile, when you go and watch them in the game he's talking about against um, the Gamer Legion guys, you're seeing people just on the screen miss, like, easy shots. Like, people like Stown have, like, I think he had a map where he had, like, eight kills or something. Like, you're seeing people just fall apart. Like, the eye test tells you they're not playing great. So, yes, like, you, the thing is, guys when you see an amazing final like when that navi um phase iem final at cologne last year that's two teams playing really high level cs everyone's hitting crazy shots it's like if anything you hit a crazy shot i have to hit an even crazier one next round to one up here you can just tell when people are really playing well whereas i do think actually some of these were just let downs by big teams now look then you can speculate things like what you're saying about style like i actually do think there's another angle though i wanted to bring up and see what you think which is the Into the Breach one is the one I cannot, cannot believe in. Because even though the Cypher guy had the tournament of his life and the stats were awesome on T-side, bro, they're not even good online. Like, I was even asking people, I, I had a look, they haven't even done anything online. They don't even, like, go deep in those CCT tournaments, mate, or win any qualifiers. They then just you go lost Eternal Fire, like, exactly. two days ago. And then also, Yesterday. I actually had, like, Alan Hendra on my broadcast, who was, like, he actually, like, coached Crucial and stuff. And he was saying, like, Bro, you never did any of this shit in the team when I was coaching him. It's like, <laughs> mate, like we've seen, Crucial's not some new guy. We've seen him for 10 years. He was even in NRG in America, if you remember. So the mad thing about the Into the Breach one is, I actually think that's a perfect example of what's possible on a Cinderella run. But the reason you call it a Cinderella run is it can't last. Because if you remember that game against FaZe, that's the one I always remember on Inferno. Bro, they just brutalized FaZe from the T side of Inferno. And if you go and look at games like that, Mate, no one can do rushes like that at tier one because they don't work in the long run. But I tell you what, if you do it, Yanko, and you run past the utility and you just go straight, bum rush four people into like one CT's face, 
People don't do that at tier one. They really don't play that style of Counter-Strike. You might send two people and then you hold one back and then you call him in. Like, no one does, like, essentially face it rushes. So the problem is I don't think long-term it can work. Like, I saw it fall apart against Vitality and eventually when it didn't work, they just did, like, normal tier one. They walked into the sites and tried to flash people in and trade. And they're much worse at trade and they have worse players. So they couldn't win playing normal CS. So fair play. Like, look, if I am them, I actually think Thomas gave the best interview. He essentially yes. admitted we're not even vaguely as good as them. So it'd be no point trying to play their game or we'd lose. Essentially, I have to drive essentially like a haymaker or like a wild punch in a boxing analogy because I can only really go for the knockout. Whereas in this analogy, like if, if you keep doing that, by the way, if you're a boxer, you might get some knockouts, but eventually you will just get absolutely fucked up and you'll get some amazing defensive boxer. I'll just pick you apart and you'll never land a shot. So the real problem is like the others I could believe in, like the Immer guy on Game Allegiant looks sick. The Isaac guy, I didn't even know he was that good, mate. He actually had like a tournament of his life. Apex even had some times where their players looked legit. They had good maps. The Into That's the Breach one solid, to me, yeah. that just shows it. That was a one-off. Like, God bless him. It was fucking exciting, but... I don't, I don't even think they thought that could continue. You could almost see it in their faces. Be like, holy shit, are we doing this? Well, they mm. did. They did exactly what you want, like a Cinderella run at an underdog to do, right? Cause some exciting upsets, make an exciting storyline for the tournament, and then lose in the quarterfinals, yes. right? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Two competitive maps, and then yep, you're done. Bow out, baby. Uh, <laughs> and that's think, exactly what you wanted. I think also that that interview was really great with Thomas because you are spot on. Like it's like. You, if you try to play that way, you lose. So you have to play in a way that gives you at least some chance to win. And they managed to, to catch a couple of teams off guard and it, and it worked for them and it was eventually going to end. But it's the same thing for, for these tier one teams. Like They need to be able to see that. Like you, You're not going to play Vitality the same way you should play, you know, Into the Breach or even Monty yes. or or Apex, right? Like you need to be able to make that adjustment because if you don't see that, if you're not aware of that, like there's a real chance of you losing the game. But here's the thing. It's like, I even had people tweeted me. It's like, oh yeah, but you know, Luminosity also started the same way, you know, <laughs> and everyone was hating it when they okay. made the playoffs. Okay. And then they ended up winning the major, like two majors a year later or something like that. It's like, guys, please. <laughs> like you watched Luminosity play, you could tell that they were doing something different, right? Like they were bringing this slow meta, like the yeah. patience in clutches, all this. But there was something different and about it. Man advantage, etc. Yeah, they actually brought something I don't, to the game. I don't remember any hate around that Luminosity no, when no. they started popping and in. And they also had like fucking five, six tournaments where they were making playoff runs and, you know, yeah. being in the final against Fnatic and losing to like Fnatic, the number one team in the world, or to Navi, the number like two, three yep. team, you know, like they're losing to best teams in the world and they're being competitive. And then like sort of the things opened up for them to win two major, like there's nothing revolutionary in the style of Into the Breach Apex for Gamer Legion. Like they're playing, trying to play the way that tier one teams play or, you know, Into the Breach, it's a little bit more uh, different. And that's it. They were just better on the day against those teams and winning those games. Like they're not revolutionizing stuff. They're not the uncle, changing I'll the meta I'll give you the to take. Here's the real hate to take, but I just believe it in my heart, so just deal with it. If I could just take the exact same field from this legend stage and run it back at this next IEM, but with no major context, no like, hey, Nico, you're not going to win your last major. If it's just a normal tournament, a normal day in the office, bro, none of those teams are making the playoffs. They're just getting dusted well, off in the groups like they should. People like, look, one or two big teams could fail. But I sort of agree with you. The pressure on like the big dogs, essentially everyone who thought I could win this major, they're the ones who seemed the most vulnerable in the group stage. 
I'll tell you, it's very simple. Like Game of Legion is now seven in ESL's ranking. Even I think they're even higher in HLTVs. Apex is eleven, nine is twelve, uh, Monty is sixteen. Like some of these teams will get invited even to Cologne, like to the oh, sure, yeah. or to something. Right. So we will see them at least at some tournaments in the future, and let's see what they can do. You know. It's unfair to say the first time we see them, they need to make a deep run or their shit. That's oh, unfair. But, you know, you'll see, you'll have two or three opportunities and then show us, right? Like, at the very least, you'll, you'll get the opportunity to play these challenger yes. events, which are like DreamHack Opens back in the day. So you should be able to be in the playoffs there, maybe even win one of them, right? Like, that's the field. That's what we expect from you. I don't expect them to come and win a tournament or be in the playoffs of... Cologne, but let's see if they can win some games, if they can replicate what we saw um, at the major. Who's the likeliest to repeat it? Of the of like Gamer Legion, Apex, Monster. I would personally I put, pick I Apex. I put Gamer Legion. Okay. Really? Like, I actually just thought, like, the thing I like about their team is I'm sort of cheating. Like, Jacob and Stickham, I already know how good they are, Stickham and Jacob. Like, they're yeah. actually legit players. Like, actually, Jacob underperforming the players, so people don't know. Like, he, could, he played much better. They both have their roles set. It, Nork, we just did, hadn't seen him on enough lands. He only played for Nip when it was the online era, pretty much. So you never really got him a chance to blood him. He looked good against fucking Zewu on that Vitality series, mate. I mean, so the only team, reason he lost his spot was because the Vice was Yeah, exactly. Even the jail guy, who I think is a bozo. Look, he could definitely frag people. If you just put, put, put me in his cross, he'll frag him. The problem I have with the other teams is, like, into the breach one, I just think that's just a miracle run. I can't believe in that. Monty yeah. has some fraggers, but they just don't seem like they're very smart about the game, if you know what I mean. Like, the Boris guy, his aim looks amazing, but Manny doesn't know how to, like, position and take fights. And stuff. Like, it just seems like he relies on his aim. And the Game of Legion guys, to me, the problem was they also had a really, like, weird run of people where they barely played anyone good until the semis and the final. So, like, in their team, I think that Immer guy just inevitably is going to get picked up by someone else. And once he's gone... And sure. Is that... Yeah, oh, and sure. sure, sure once they're gone, well. the team's gone, basically. Like, the, the rest of them are just going to disappear, I'm afraid. Yeah, I was, talking, I was talking to my brother the other day, and we were talking about some of those upsets and it was just like, yeah, unfortunately the nature of it is those teams are all going to be dead within like six months. Probably. It feels like, like they're yeah. going to be just cannibalized. Like that's just how it works. Ema, Ema, she will get picked up. I wonder what's going to happen with Apex. They seem like perhaps the most resistant to splitting apart, but I have to imagine they will. Monty, like I, I would be amazed if Boros isn't having fucking messages in his DMs. Oh, it must be surely. Yeah. He's getting picked up by somebody. By the way, that's also the sad thing. I get, listen, none of us hate the idea an underdog wins the game. We just don't like the idea it'll like spoil the tournament storylines. You won't get as much viewership and you might end up if they fail in the playoffs with just a bad game. Like, actually, I'm sure we're all, like, mate, I'm a huge fan of the Immer guy after that fucking tournament. Like, I really believe if he didn't sort of crap the bed on the last half of the whole tournament, he would have stolen the MVP from Zewu. Like, he was playing unreal CS, mate. His series against... For heroic, you have to go look it up. I think on T side, he went 47 and 25 with a fucking AK against heroic. Like, that's unbelievable shit. Yeah, like, posted that. you know, the best rifles in the world dream of a series like that of the majors. So, the problem is to a fan, it's going to suck when those players, the good ones, leave and you leave the ones that aren't going to make it behind and the team disappears. But in a way, that is better for the game. Like, it's not really that these teams are better than G2, it's that they might have some players that should be on G2 or fucking Ents or. You pick the team OG. It depends what level you want to go to. Like these, I want to see these players move into the big orgs, which well, the viewership isn't the money. By the way, great for those players as well. They're going to get paid. I think yeah. it's actually the natural way the scene should work. 
Yeah, I, I I guess the conversation becomes like, what was what was one of like the takeaways from the major was like, there's, um, I think it was Maui tweeted it out or was it, uh, yeah, I think it was Maui who just said like, there's no tier two, there's just partner teams and non-partner teams now. I don't know how much of that I buy. You that know, was like, copium, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there reading that. I was like, it's kind of a cool line, but I it don't is, know if I buy it, it all that much. But it sounds I mean, like it was from the Mad Men market department. Also, well, also <laughs> why is why is like the when you talk about partner teams, is like people reference the your G2, your phase, like your those all. teams would be there anyway. Like yep. they, they would make the playoffs. And sure, I'll be the first one to say if you make the whole tournament open qualifier you won't see one of the top five teams. Yeah, like if they true. have to play best of ones online to qualify for shit, like they're going to drop a map somewhere. One of them is just how things Bro, go in Counter-Strike. And also there's a reason why you invite some of those teams. It's the best players. It's like the ones that uh, attract the most viewers to buy tickets and also to watch online and all that sort of shit. But I can see, for example, you know, teams like big teams like, Fanatic, Evil Geniuses goes without saying, right? Are yeah. those the teams that I can see Gamer Legion beating in the best of three? Yeah. I mean, and yeah. those are the teams that are probably like getting the most out of their partner slots in that sort of a sense. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have like, I think it's going to, as I said, I don't think it's feasible to get rid of the partnerships and like just, you know, cancel out those agreements because these organizations paid a good chunk of change to be a partner team and secure these slots. Um, and also, you know, organizations like Blast and ESL are dependent on having those big names to draw the viewership and be able to maybe not lose a insane amount yeah. of money when running a tournament, right? So, yeah, personally, I'd like to see more slots for, like, teams that can just qualify and come into them. But you could also see, man, like, th this tournament was also a good example of that. I didn't, you know, it's like uh, gamer. It, it was Monty Gamer Legion, right? And then semifinals was like Apex Vitality. You know, it's like these games or or and quarterfinal uh, Liquid with um, Apex, Apex. Two. It's like people didn't watch this. Like this major could have been the most yep. highest viewed major ever, right? It's the only one this year. It's the last in CS:GO. You're breaking like the concurrent players every week. It feels yep. like you know there would have been way more eyes on the games if there weren't as many upsets. But people just don't. And this is the this is the thing. What you know, also maybe some people don't understand. It's not just. It's not that these teams are playing bad Counter Strike, and that's why people don't want to watch them. It's like they don't have the high profile names like that, that people recognize. You know, people come in. Ninety five percent, I think, or even more of fans now. If I if I run into someone in Dallas and tell him, name me all five into the breach players without opening HLTV. I think nine out of ten can't do it. No, they get like two or something. Yeah. Right, like, and 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 that's a, that, that's the problem. There's they're not really engaged in the storyline, especially when the two of those play each other, like Monty Game Religion. You're like, why would Dude, I I'll watch tell this you a game? reason why though. If not, this if is, I'm one thing people are missing is this Yanko. It's like sports. No, one of the weird things about esports is we've designed the tournament. League of Legends does this that you're supposed to just watch the whole thing. Like no one supports any sport like that. You watch your teams and the ones you care about. So I'll guarantee there was people didn't even watch into the breach till they did a couple of upsets. They were probably just like, oh, I guess Fraser was playing shit. What the hell? What's just ends just shit the bed? I doubt they watched those games. Like that's that's why you're saying like they, they wouldn't be engaged with that. And, and the, let's be real, when you have a million people on a stream. 
I mean, probably 95% of those are just casuals, mate. They're people who play matchmaking. I don't even know that this podcast exists or maybe they go on HLTV, but even then it's just... One day they will know. Yeah, one day maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Also, by the way, one last point on that partner thing. Here's where that's actually a whack take. I'm just going to say it. It only applies to Blast, and that's because Blast only does 12 partner teams. And if they get unlucky, like they have a couple of years, sometimes some of the best teams in the world aren't in the partner system or like really bad ones are, like Cole goes off the boil and EG becomes shit. And like that can happen, right? That sucks. What, right? How does this apply to ESL who dominates 75% of the circuit? Like Yanko said, for the big events like Kanavitsa and Cologne, yeah, essentially if you're like top 25 in the world, you attend the event, a minimum through the plane, which can win games. That so if you're actually... Good. Spots, yeah. yeah, that's why we know that FaZe and G2 are good because they go through those tournaments and win. When actually, like you saw, dude, the Mongols did that when they are IHC. They came through the plane, beat a bunch of big names. Fury, Does that yeah. mean they would have beaten G2 and FaZe? No, they went out after that. So I get him on the Blast one. I'm sort of with him on that. And Blast's in a tough spot because they're not the team, they're not the org with all the revenue. But for ESL, it's not, we've actually, I think ESL is a really good compromise between the Louvre teams and the just bringing in the top-ranked teams, right? And I think like, if you're if you 24th, go, you get into the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think they do a good you, job, for sure. If you go back to, like, last three Katowice Colognes, there's at least two teams from the play-ins that are in the playoffs. Or That's something cool. like that, yeah. right? Which is, like, tells you, you know, even the, the play-ins are cutthroat as well. Yeah. Um, when it comes to it, right? There's an usually an upsell, too. Right? Yeah, last, you know, Furia didn't make it in, in Katowice. They lost yep. to... I'd that see. was IHC, I think. Yeah. Yeah. God, they've, dude, there's that. I, I, I'm actually, I don't know why. I know you're not surprised at all, Yanko, but I'm so surprised at how far off the deep end Fury has gotten. That's actually crazy to me how. I'm so scared about this conversation in case Yanko <laughs> you know, comments on the intelligence of the in game leader or something, you know. <laughs> Obviously, all no. the strats are fine. Yeah. By the way, Yanko, how did you not do a Richard Lewis? How's my fucking T side today, dickhead? <laughs> like, I thought, guys, they didn't win a fucking T round the first for, two games. For two yeah. rounds. And then the third one, they like didn't only won like two gun rounds or something. It's like, holy shit, bro. If I, if you wanted to show Yanko was stupid, you did a really bad job, mate. You just stuck, you stood on a and it went up in your own face. <laughs> it, no, was, but- it, was, it was like Fury and Liquid both came into the major like, hey, we've changed everything. We've revamped re- it all for the biggest <laughs> yeah. event of the year. Yeah. And for Furia, you're like, please change back. Please, for the love of God, change it back. No, but I mean, it's, uh, you know me, Duncan. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a bad winner, you know. I've got, oh, okay. I, I've, got, I've, got, I've got class. I wish I could say the but, same, but fair but, enough. <laughs> but it's, you know, that's the problem with, with Fury is like, they they did what they were supposed to do way too late, you know. Yeah. Like the, you you don't do it actually that late. At that point, you're past the point of no return. You're just going to fuck things up for yourself, right? Like you can't yes. start changing your style, you know, a month before the biggest tournament. Like just you know, yolo it. Like stick with it. You know, maybe you get on a hot streak and you can make something happen. This was just sad. It was really sad watching them play. They can't win a T round on T side. Even Cerrado is like not in a position to do almost anything, right? Like can't have any impact. They, they seem lost, like they don't know what they're doing. And I'll tell you the same way that probably the top four in Rio sort of extended the, the timeline for that team from that result. Hopefully this will be the trigger to make some yeah. sweeping yeah, changes. It's well, you know, it's, it, it's weird because Brazil is like just caught in this like, 
I feel like they have that like weird, they must have that weird contract issue where they can't make changes. Like I would be <laughs> like, you know, like d- between pain and Furia, you could make a sick fucking Brazilian team. Between those two teams, you could probably make a oh, team yeah, in Brazil. Oh yeah, you could make a bag of Brazilian for, team, yeah. And, but like, you know, there's they've always been in that issue, even since like the old legendary lineups <laughs> like Fallen and Cold Zero, they've always had that complaint that like, you can't actually make roster changes because buyouts are insane in Brazil. Like they'd be asking like $300,000 buyout for like a player who's never been to a LAM. I mean, I'll like, make well, the same joke that we used to make about Navi when Simple would just keep re-signing when they weren't that good. It's like, obviously, part of the contract is that um, the owner gets an AK drop, doesn't he? Because that's that's the real problem. He can't really lead the team. <laughs> Boys, I'll just tell you behind the scenes. I've heard from some of the other Brazilian teams when they're trying to pick up, especially from tier two. Like, you you get the player to agree, like, unofficially. Like, you sort of poach him. And he goes, like, yeah, yeah, I'll tell them, like, to sign. And then they just call you up crying, like, I, I can't go. And it's either some angle, like, you're being pressured by the org. Or maybe they even guilt trip you. Like, hey, you know, we made you. Like, we've, you've only been here a year. Like, they just, I don't know how they do it. Because as we're saying, like, if you think of, like, America or Europe, dude, people just move for fun. Like, if you pay enough for Spinks from Ents, they'll sell him. They know the game. For but sure. it is weird in those regions. It does seem like people are locked in. Because it was even the same with Fury when they came up. Like, I know Fallen and them wanted those players. They're not idiots. It's all no. case around Yuri. They're like, this should be in our team, but you just couldn't get them. Yeah, that's that's fucked up. Man, there could be such a cool Brazilian team. I hope the shakeup happens. I hope, I hope, like, I hope that there's a blow up in the Brazilian scene and they just they just make a fucking badass squad. Yeah, but that's the problem, is like <clears throat> I don't. I, it was, it's more than a year now that they said that they need to remove art. <laughs> For me, this wasn't a new thing. It was like yeah. a year ago uh, during the pro league season. I was like, until Fury gets rid of this guy, they're not going to do anything. Right. And then people caught on to it like six months later and started sort of, you know, saying the same thing and, and, and whatnot. For me, it's not, it wasn't like trying to get impressions or, you know, uh, have a hot take then and then cause some drama. It's just like I really believed he was holding the team back. I still believe he's holding the team back, right? But nowadays you just have, <clears throat> I don't know, I feel a lot of people are just trying to be edgy, like <clears throat> they're trying to say fiery things for the sake of saying them, even though they don't have as much Oh, Duncan, like, do you feel personally attacked or or what? No, here's the no, thing. Duncan was this, no, Duncan <laughs> yeah. was it, no, Duncan was like, that's like the gap that's left really that people are trying to film, but, but Duncan way, is yeah. Duncan, you know, and, the, and he wasn't like, he actually believes. I believe all the takes things. I say. And it. also, and also actually do. he's way more, he's way more edgy on Twitter than he is on the desk. Oh, on, of course. On, for sure. On, yeah. on desk, he has like normal measured opinion. I'm a bit like, more eloquent a, as well. Like for, for example, like, yeah, a lot more eloquent, but for example, <laughs> you know, I don't think Duncan would ever like, use <sighs> the post game of heroic gamer legion to like shit on Cadians like like or whatever like to that wasn't that bad choose that timing to make that point i think the point is like okay if you want to make it it's just the timing of it's like the game is just over right like if if you're making that point at that time you're probably like in the back of your head know that it's gonna stir up a bit of a not a shitstorm, but, you know, it's going to cause some controversy. He's taking shots. Yeah, he's taking a chance. He's seen right. Lance. By the way, here's the thing. I'll even give everyone, because I think it's funny, but this will seem like it's playing into my enemy's hands. You know that <laughs> thing where Skip Bayless always finds a way that, like, LeBron, like, failed and, like, he did, wasn't as good as people say and stuff, right? And the thing is, I, rem- I actually saw a podcast where Shannon Sharp, the guy on that show with him, yeah. went on, I think it was, like, All the Smoke or something, and he even said, oh, he's not joking about any of that, you know? Like, he actually thinks LeBron's not that good. Like, he's not trolling you. He's not saying it to 
make you mad. That's zero to me. Because the problem I have is this. I know it sounds mad because he's obviously exceptionally good. But one, everyone else is telling me he's as good or better than simple. Well, you've already fucked yourself there, mate. Because that is the most insane eye test player to ever play this game. And he's done it all. He's done it at every level, against every team, even Prime Australis. He's been in five. He's done it. So the problem with the Zebu one is, quite frankly, he still hasn't done it in the big prestige tournament. He did that ESL clone 2019. He was a banger. The other ones, you can go and look. The numbers drop off, the performance drop Even in this major, mate, even though they were playing all those teams that are low-ranked, dude, every series he took a while to wake up. He'd have halves where he was losing duels to Nork or fucking Cypher was fragging him when he was on CT side. Dude, how does Zewu lose the duel like that? On the normal game, I don't think that happens. So I do think pressure gets to him. I think he, I, I still think he has, I mean, he hasn't really always had the teams to go that far, but even so, like, that's the, this is why you don't compare yourself to Simple. If we're just talking about not Simple, and I'm comparing to the case Serato and she now we can have a great convo. Maybe he's better than them all. Yeah, he might be the player of the year. So in that one, people think I say that just to piss off French fans or Zebu fans. I really believe it. Like, I still need to see more. I, I do think he could be the greatest player ever, but he hasn't done it yet for me. I think the problem is also, we had this conversation at Pro League this season, right? We're sitting there, and I'm, I said... For me, like, I I, I I don't know how I phrase it exactly, but I said, like, kind of, Zaiwu is the, the most disappointing best player in the world that we've had. I said said it something like that, because when you look at other people who are number one, obviously simple, right? But even guys like Cold Zara, when he was number one in the world, he was incredible, right? And it's big games, it's clutch yep. moments. Absolutely. It's winning big games for his team. All of Meister, same thing, get right at the start. Yep. Same thing, right? And you didn't get that feeling with Zaiwu, like whether it's that killer instinct or whatever. He misses and, the attitude. And funnily enough, like we get uh, into the into the thing, uh, shit with uh, Zonic is there and Apex is there, and they're kind of saying the same thing almost, uh, where they do want them to like have a little bit of an ego and dictate stuff yep. a little bit more, you know? And, and then they praised him because that's what he started doing and was doing more of it at the major. And wow, surprise, all of a sudden they're playing much better and winning all games. I actually have a theory about that. Moses might have heard this before. The real problem is this. Anytime you play a team sport or game, normally anyone who's really skilled has exactly the opposite problem of what you're saying, Yanko. They actually, oh, look, I'll just use the example. You don't have to agree. People like Woxic are like this. Like they are only going to play like they are the best player in the world, even if they're playing like shit and actually they don't feel the game. So actually that becomes selfish at that point in time. And what you do as a coach and teammates is your whole like way of talking to them is sort of like, Remember, it's a team concept. Like, you know, let's sacrifice for each other. Like, sometimes let someone else carry. The problem becomes, since we all talk that way, when Zewu comes along, we all praise him. Like, wow, look, he doesn't op. Sometimes on T-side, he just goes on the AKs because he knows, like, he should do some of the entry duties. And it's like, that's all well and good. But in some ways, I do want him to sometimes be a diva. Like, there's times I think he could take over games, you know, or he just sort of lets the game come to him. I have the same problem with Stown from Heroic. Fades in the big games. He'll just let, he won't, here's the thing. Simple would do moves that if he fails, you look like a moron and you die. But I'll tell you what, it, it just means that when he does it and it works, 
he's unbeatable. You can't play him. And if you're an opponent, it's a nightmare. He can push you anytime. He can go for any retake. He'll go for a 1v3 when he has an AWP and not save it. And he might fucking win it. And that, by the way, not only do they have the ability to do that, but I think when you do that, it's like being someone who's really aggressive in poker. Just the threat of what you're doing makes the opponent play differently. Like people start to, dude, when people used to see Simple's name in the obituaries, killing their teammates in a 1v3, they start shitting themselves. That's real. Like Zewu's <laughs> amazing too, but sometimes I feel like he just he'll just let the game come at his pace. Whereas I think you've got to go hard sometimes. It's the great, it's the great fucking, uh, I guess, is it, I don't even know if it's irony. It's the great irony of that, like, 1v4 clutch he had against G2 is he never goes for that if it's not the last round of the half. No, exactly. But, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> that, so fucking that round for real is probably the real round that fucking put G2 up shit's creek. They could have won that game, but he totally stole that entire round. Of, you told, That was basically the map, Moses, you're right. That yeah. 1v4 should never happen, but it was godlike. Everything about it was, that was fucking, that'd be horny if shit. That's, if that's round 14, he doesn't even come close to that upper No, bomb, you just so. save as well. You're going <laughs> to yeah. kill an Exit, exactly. Yeah. But those those are like the retakes we used to see some of the best stoppers actually go for, which, uh, yeah, they just don't they don't happen anymore. I mean, for good reason. But I don't know. I had a conversation at the major um, uh, with one of the coaches of one of the upset teams, and he was really, really like sad about like this whole like odds based counter strike thing because it's just like just just like the boring style of it like the, the nice thing about the upset teams i will say we touched on this earlier the the thing that they're coming in and throwing haymakers is that's exciting to watch to to For like sure. a certain extent right and we don't we don't get those kinds of stylistic things because all the top teams now play like the more odds based the right decision and there's beauty in that and there's there's you know smart play in that but we miss that kind of old school feeling of counter strike that we used to get where it was just like you're going for shit. You're actually challenging. You're actually fighting. You're getting in people's faces. And I think that there's, I think there's a certain truth to the fact that we're missing that element in top Counter-Strike today. I think probably the economy is the biggest culprit. Oh, the biggest for sure. reason. Well, for some weird reason in Counter-Strike, people really will like, always think they should save in a numbers deficit, but I even think some of them are wrong. Like if, for example, in the next round, you're going to save like two rifles, but you, your teammate's going to have an MP9, a FAMAS, uh, and no utility. What if in this 2v3, it's your two best players and actually like one of their players has had damage done or something. You might just go for that. For the game, that might be a better chance to win. I also think as well, to go back to the idea that you have to be a bit selfish, people want to believe in Counter-Strike that all five players are equal. You know, nobody's got a big ego. We're all just, you know, we win as a team, we lose as a team. You know, as analysts, guys, if you see Furia in a 2v3, but the two is like safe and drop, that's less likely they're going to win than if it's Yuri and Kesarato. So I also want teams to be a bit sort of selfish like that. Like, you know what? If you're Kesarato and you will go for it, mate. You could probably win it. You could, out, you could outskill these guys. But I think teams sometimes, they just have like a protocol of like, we always save like this. And especially the AWP. By the way, the number one that kills me is, it's what G2 used to do back with Smiths. If you've got Smiths as your AWP, <laughs> you don't save the AWP, motherfucker. That's not... Because I'm saving the AWP for Simplos or Zewu, you know? Like, I'm not saving it for you. Like, you are going to win me the round on its own. Like, like, there was a round, in fact, Game Legion had in the final against Vitality where they won on T-side with one AWP and some pistols because Acor had the AWP, right? He was having a good game. That's an example of where you could maybe save the AWP. If you have an AWP that's kind of like a passive AWP or just the old dreaded support AWP, don't bother. Like, that AWP isn't as valuable as you think. Yeah, I think the the problem is also like the economy, the way it is, right? It's just like not worth it. You can go and 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 watch that uh, Rio semifinal, Cloud Nine versus 
uh, Vitality, Vitality and Vertigo. Yeah. And you can see like the, the reason they came back was because Cloud9 Notorious for saving and Shiro and all of that yep. really were going for all of those retakes because they were winnable in theory, you know, like they were three V3s and everything, but they just could never get every single one. And then they didn't get as many gun rounds as, as they could have. And you can also see Liquid like in their game against Heroic uh, in, in the 2-0 game, like on both in... Inferno and Ancient, like the two maps that they lost, they had criminal mismanagement oh, they had of the SMG economy guys, yeah. because they would do this thing in the end where they're like buying when they're force buying when their opponent has 13 rounds, right? It was a shit buy. So then they have 14. So then they either econ 14 and concede match point or they just buy two more times. And then they end the, the game like with three shittier buys. Like you, you never really want to do that. And it happened on both... Uh, Inferno and and Ancient. So yeah, I think for that it has to be maybe some tweaking or something to to incentivize going for it a little bit a little bit more. But uh, yeah, there's fan. another angle to that as well, which is it's a bit. What's one of the reasons I always hated James' game is because I can see the cogs turning before he even gets to the save scenario of like I'm just sort of going to back off on this orp angle. Then I'm going to do a fadeaway orp angle off that one. I miss, and then suddenly I'm in spawn, and you know what? They've got the site, the bombs down, the smokes in. May as well save now, lads. It's like, mate, you wanted to save this fucking gun? Mm. What? Like, I think sometimes there are certain maps. The old classic one was Dust Two on B site. There's sometimes you have to just go for the guy flattening the bomb and sort of aggressively retake. Dude, Carrigan does it all the time on like Inferno B site. I think sometimes it's better to just gamble to go for the bomb planter than let them put the smoke down and then decide to save. You sort of yeah. made it an impossible round there, you know. Go to go to the Cloud9 Vitality game again, but on Inferno. And Cloud9 beat them on Inferno because of that. The team that's notorious for playing slow passive retakes, they were just like flashing themselves through smokes aggressively and, and catching Vitality off guard and and winning some of those uh, some of those rounds, so yeah, it's absolutely, like it can be a a good thing. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you you can always yeah you can always find the counterexample, I guess, too, because if you go to the heroic gamer legion inferno game, like uh, you know, Katie and tried to do just that in like That's round twenty nine. It's around that mid. Now we flame him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 Probably did. I was casting that, and even I in my head was like, "Oh no, Katie, what the fuck, man?" <laughs> Unfortunately, it was almost the only way he could lose by going for that play like that, wasn't it? I yeah. know. And sometimes you just can't hold back. By the way, though, what we're essentially getting at here, the more abstract point is this, is there is no perfect way to play Counter-Strike. Like I always no. used to say back in the day, you know when people were like, Astralis has the best way to play. It's like, first of all, that clearly isn't true because Zonic took that style to Vitality and banged his head against the wall for a whole year and it didn't work. And secondly, you have to have the personnel. Like, I, the joke is, I agree with what we were saying earlier about Furia. I probably would have thought the same thing as well. Like, no, oh, Art Styles is total bullshit, isn't it? What's he doing? Like, this is real Counter-Strike. So he tried at this major to play a real European Counter-Strike and it looked actually terrible. And it really <laughs> was like, no, actually go back. Like, you know what? Like, it wasn't perfect, but it was better than this. Yeah, but also like it was such a weird time to make that change too. Because I even talking to them, it's like they had a week boot camp in Europe before the major. I'm like, a week? You guys think you can just bring in this new style with a week heading into the major? Like that's 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 insanity. That's like I think I would say that's mismanagement, but I think it has to just be like desperation of feeling like no matter what you're fucked. So why not throw the hail mary out there? Yeah, yeah. Dead now, of course. Dead now, of course. <laughs> Don't have to talk about Furia. Yeah, but in, I mean, all in all, for the major, I guess, yeah, it sucks that we didn't get some more tier one teams because of the hype and the storylines. We'll see what happens with these 
you know, Apex's Gamer Legions, whether they will be a mainstay or, spoiler, they won't. Bedtime stories would be shit, wouldn't they? And then maybe they lived happily ever after. Spoiler, probably didn't. Probably died <laughs> in the next story. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, in, you, you know, know as you a, want to know, yeah, go, go ahead. I was going to say, I was just going to say, like, the fun, the kind of one of the funnier things to me about the whole playoff bracket at the major is that. <laughs> no one of all the upsets and everything that's occurred like the one that nobody references because i think we've all just come to affected uh, expected as liquid losing in the quarterfinals like they've gotten away with like getting not getting <laughs> criticized too heavily like no one really pointed this, the thing, this spotlight I, on them i did for me the spotlight is never on them because they're not good right they're they're they were frauds from almost from the start right they had a couple of good results you know the final against vitality at that pro league season yeah uh top four now in uh in katowice and i don't know maybe probably yeah, they the had blast a blast one as well they had think, top four or something yeah something like that right and then you're thinking oh well maybe liquid isn't that bad but it was always like by the skin of their teeth you know, it was always like sort of some individual performances. It was, they, they never had like a convincing map pool, like a signature map. At the very beginning, it looked like it was Mirage. Nowadays, you, you have no idea like almost um, what it is for them. So yeah, for me, like I I, ex I didn't expect them to lose to Apex, but I expected Vitality to make quick work of them in the semifinal. By the way, I actually thought the best actual memory I'm going to have of the major isn't even any of the storylines. It's just Apex saying in that interview, like, everyone criticized me for one year as IGL. Fuck you all. <laughs> so like, good. that's sick. By the way, <laughs> even though essentially he's sort of saying, fuck me, because I've said maybe you should be replaced. That is have. the best way you can answer a critic ever. Because you know this, guys. The thing I hate about pro players is they'll talk shit like, you don't even know what you're talking about, then lose the next game. It's like, well, can I get some credit? Like I said that. <laughs> Because the worst one ever I've always said is, you know, in the bar after the fucking tournament or after their match, when they go like, what the hell? We won. And it turns out you picked the other team. It's like, bro, we never have this conversation the other way around. I don't get to come up to you when you blow the fucking quarterfinal and I say you're going to win and go, what the fuck happened? Like, they'd be like, who the fuck are you? You're not in my team. So like, yeah, exactly. There's got to be fucking quid pro quo on this, boys. Because that is sick. I can't lie. Even I love though, that line. Even though, you know, like we were justifiably, like they were playing differently back then. They hadn't activated Spinks. But still, in a movie, that's a fucking bang alignment. That was sick. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it is like, I don't even think the people who criticize him like over the past, what, two and a half, three years that he's been in game leading, depending on how far back he wants to go with that line. I don't think it was even wrong to criticize it and, and to call for his head at certain points, but I, I appreciated him fucking dropping the mic on that one. Yo, I got, you got to say as well, shout out to fucking Spinks, right? Like dude, oh, to, sure. think, to think about the balls, like once when Enz was on that pop-off and started having those good results and to bail out and go to Vitality and have it work out like this, like that's fucking sweet. That takes guts to make that move. He also showed me though, that like, there's actually a point Kassad said, I don't know if you've heard this like right before, Yanko, but Kassad thinks that a flaw that we have as analysts, I think it's a great point actually, is whenever we see someone with really good aim, we say he's like a really top player or like a skilled player or something. But he says you should just say they've got really sharp aim. Like they might not have any other qualities to their game or they haven't developed or they haven't got experience or they can only play a set way. And actually what I learned was from the Spinks one. Because in ends, 
well, I'm not in the team. I don't know how they're setting them up or what the comms are or what they told him to do. In ends, it just looked like, mate, this is like the next God Rifle. He's fucking sick. Get him on Vitality. What you found was, as far as I can tell, they just went back to how he played in ends recently and gave him a bunch of sim lurk spots and played like four ones and stuff out of spawn. Like, mate, it, was, it actually looked like, essentially, he's really good in certain contexts. And then if you put him in that, he's really good. But he's, it's not the same as being like some of these insane, like Nico could play like five different roles in the game or something, or two or three different CT spots. So I do think sometimes we almost like are in a rush to put these guys at the level of the Nikos of the world, the fucking, the absolute top of the top. I think even like a God tier number one in-game leader Apex, new to the new to the crown, even like before before the major, I think he gave like a really good interview on that where he said something like he was just he was like like we're starting to like Sphinx is starting to figure it out because when he was in Ents, they were like the way that they played and called like Snappy is so crazy with all of his rushes and like his Mac tens leading the way and is really aggressive. He was like Sphinx got so much room to work with because they were so fucking crazy and they yeah. were so chaotic that it like it shifted the map a ton and we don't play like that so it took time for Spinks to like kind of understand how they want to work the map and understand where he gets to pick and choose his fights in those same roles so I think I mean that that to me is like a perfect microcosm of how Spinks had to de develop and I thought that was a sick point from Apex and wherever the fuck he gave that also interview. by the way even though since we're just pointing out that we were sort of justified so this, we are sort of like just taking his great statement and then saying why it's sort of not totally right here's <laughs> another reason why because <laughs> Apex, right? I remember he also gave the interview afterwards that he tried to play fast on the map, you know, like the old French teams, etc. It's like, I get the idea of the team play like that. But one of my biggest fears when I watch Vitality play is anytime Apex on like CT just goes for some like push on his own. It's like every time that happens, that's like fucking ass clench time. Be like, oh, bloody <laughs> hell. And the thing is, he loves doing those plays. So look, fair play if you win. If you win, I can't criticize you. But I don't, I still get really scared by how he plays individually. Yeah, oh, I sure. think it was Hooksy at um, at Pro League who was saying like when he was casting, uh, it, I think he was casting the Vitality Ants game with a couple of guys and he's saying like, you know, people really criticize Art a lot and like, you know, when he dies and how he plays and, you know, how he may be is a liability for Fury. But no one talks about Apex. He does the exact same thing pretty much like yeah. on the server. like and, and it was after that Pro League tournament where he sort of toned it down a little bit. I, I vividly remember that Ant's game on Vertigo and he's playing, you know, Gap. Um, it's just like overly aggressive, like over peaking, like searching for fights where, where you don't need to and it uh, cost him the series. So, you know, some fine tuning. I think here's the thing about Vitality, man, and why Rio was also important for them to win and to have that. They had a couple of great comeback wins in that one. I think it did give them, I, I mean, I don't think they said it gave them some extra confidence. You know, Dupree said it in an interview, especially that performance he had against Cloud9 in the comeback, right? Yeah. I think it really gave them like the, the small boost that they needed before Paris. And here's the thing, what they what they managed to do was what they were saying for the past like six months, you know, it's Paris, it's Paris, it's Paris. And that can be too much pressure sometimes too, but they really managed to peak at the right moment. You know, like they were, they were timing it. Like, you know, they had those disaster losses, you know, the liquid loss on overpass. It happened in Katowice. It didn't happen in, in Paris. You know, some shit lost pro league to end it happened at pro league. It didn't happen at the, at the major. So they really like were able to just figure it out just in time for it all to come together on home soil. And that's not easy. And then that's a shout out to, you know, the whole coaching staff that they have, you know, and Zonic and the, 
the the Lars guy and the manager and the assistant coach Matt and I, I even saw that Axtas was even involved like this year um, in some capacity. So they really did go <clears throat> sort of all in on the preparation and kind of getting it there, and it paid off. By the way, sure, even though it's hard to criticize them because they play great CS. How sad was the fucking heroic end to this tournament, though? <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's depressing, isn't it? It's just yeah, depressing. Yeah. Like, they just have some sort of a problem when it comes to these big games. And and here's, that's, that, the heroic is a perfect example of my point before about the pressure of paying, like, weaker opponents as well. You know, when you're supposed to, to beat them, like, they, they played completely different. You could see, like, in, in the phase game, um, compared to the Gamer Legion game, right? Like, especially guys like Tessis and, and Shush, you know, who were the the deciding, fact. like them stepping up is something that you don't really expect as much. And they were the difference makers. And then, you know, you go a little bit missing in that, in that series. That's because of that pressure sort of, oh, you know, we just beat like the, the hardest opponent in our bracket are really losing to these guys. Like, is this really happening? You start having those, those thoughts, but you know, it it has been a, a really long record now of them sort of not even making it a fight in some of the, whether it's, whether it's, you're talking about the grand final in, you know, Rio or the grand final in Katowice or the grand final in Rio against outsiders, right? Like it's just completely disappearing and you can't really have that happen, you know? So I mean, like, look, we all know this, something about it. like sports teams, you have a window, and they've now yeah. busted two chances to win a major, real chances. Like, the Outsiders one was right there on the table. They should at least have been in the final here. Like, you know this, mate. Like, you don't get 10 chances at the major where yeah. you can really win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll see how it uh, turns out. But I've, especially over the past couple of years, you know, especially after I've coached MIBR in phase, you know, with like veteran players, legendary players and everything, it's like, that really becomes apparent in playoffs and in big games, you know? And for Heroic, it seemed like Stone, like in the quarterfinal, he finally had like a good, important series on stage in the playoffs. And it seems like it was all coming together and, and he's taking like the next step or Yabi as well, maybe, you know? And then that sort of doesn't happen yet again, right? And Vitality, they have Zaivu, uh, FaZe has... Everyone, Navi and has Gamer Legion has Ema. Simple, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's the thing. Like, and that's why I fucking hate what G two did in the veto. I fucking that's hate mad it. it. Here we because go. Because it's so mental when you have uh, players like Nico, first and foremost, Nico, and then also Hunter, JKS, right? Like. You just had a historic run on Nuke at the start of the year. You have that map in front of you. You have a veto in which you can get your two best maps. You would have Vitality two best on maps. Nuke if you didn't have five fucking bang up mistake rounds. Yeah, that as well. So, and you decide to go for Vertigo, like historically, like a terrible map also for Nico, right? And some of your best players. And it's, it's not just that it's one of the best players, it's one of your most experienced players on, you know, in, in big games and whatever. You always want to put the game 
in their hands, right? Like give give him a map where he can do something for you, right? But he can make a real difference. I mean, Nico Nyard is one of the best players in the position in the world. JKS is super solid on ramp. Hunter, you remember that heroic uh, game in the grand final and you yep. had a couple of amazing, like you can go down the line and think about pretty much everyone having like great games and great moments, not to mention like how much it impacts the confidence of the players. You know, in that game against Vitality, they were 7-0 down and Vitality had like 13k in the bank across the board. Like that's Getting two rounds in that half is like sort of almost a win. And they managed to get more than that and bring it back and, you know, had a real chance to to win the game. If let's say they were down 7-0 to Vitality on Vertigo and Vitality had that much money in the back, the game would have ended 16-5 for Vitality, without a doubt, you know? And what hurts me, the what pisses me off the most is the fact that if this happened just this time, I would have been like, hey... It's a mistake, you know, they fucked it up, like, but you only make that mistake once. They already made that mistake. It's Pro League. They played against Ants and they didn't pick Nuke, they picked Ancient. Yep. You know? And and Ants' permaban was Inferno, so they didn't they couldn't have picked that. And you lost, right? And you got eliminated in the in the playoffs. That was the first tournament after Katowice, right? So you would think that there they've learned, okay, listen, let's just fucking pick our our map that we are good on doesn't matter if the, if that's also their best map. Who the fuck cares? Because G two isn't a team like, for example, Vitality. They like to punish the opponent's weakness, and and that's the approach for for them and their veto from day one. Phase maybe something in between, but G two is a team that needs to pick Inferno or Nuke most likely, right? And and they need to like make their bread on those maps, and then we'll see on the other maps which ones turn out to be like decent that they can win a, a best of three series. But if you can get those two, you have to play them, right? And it ended up costing them their, you know, uh, life at the major. But it's just such a, I don't know if it was like Hook uh, Seymour or the coach, I'd imagine it was more, you know, the, the in-game leader in that I have a question for you, Jan Kaur. As someone yeah. who was, I mean, most of us coach as well, you can both answer this. One of the things that as an, as an outsider who's just watching the devils and watching the official matches and doesn't know what's going on in scrims, the reason why I always got infuriated with vetoes is exactly that. I feel like players, it's not even that they're bad on the map. It's not that they lost five times in a row on it. It's just they get this one key loss that is like, it's like a superstition. It just gets in their head. And if they even think of picking the map or playing, playing it they just think like oh but you remember what happened last time and it's like bro first of all like every game has probability it can end differently and then to me the reason like let's be real this g2 is just fundamentally good on nuke like it fits your profile as a team so my logic would even be guys if we can't win on nuke against this team we're not going to win the fucking major anyway so let's just go out on our strength yeah i think i think the problem was they expected maybe fanatic to pick the map Right. So they did a lot of prep. On ah, it, right. And then they trusted their prep on the map. And you also have to remember the vetoes are not done so far ahead at the major as they are at normal tournaments, right? Because you do it through the client, um, in game client, right? And all of that right. stuff. So I think, uh, or at least that's how it used to be. I don't know if that changed, but I, I think that's how it still is. So, you know, you're like, did so much prep and you feel like you have a good way of playing them and you just trust that over 
going in a map that you maybe didn't think you were going to have in the pool, right? But that's a mistake. That way of thinking when you have Nico, JKS, Monesi, Hunter is a mistake. When you have the opportunity to play the map that you had, what, 20 maps in a row, 18 maps? I don't know how many it was. Like, that's a mistake because you cannot underestimate the comfort level and the confidence level of players on that map. Like, no matter the score, they will believe that they can still win. Until it hits 16, they believe that they can come back and win the game because they've done it numerous times. They've done it. Like, it's not like all their new wins were blowouts and playing from ahead. So I think that's a, hopefully the last time they, they make that sort of a mistake because it was a grave mistake. You know, they would go, I think they would go actually into Navi if they beat Fnatic, but G2 hasn't lost to Navi in like, I don't know. They beat them like in four straight best of threes. Sure. In a month, I I would I was actually like fine with that. Uh, in the end, I don't think they would get into the breach. I think that would have been then phase in that case or or whatever. But you know, I was really like feeling still okay when they were zero and two because I feel like in a best of three they can beat any team. Like they're one of the favorites to win the the major, and in the end it didn't really turn out. I mean, you can't lose to Fnatic. You can't get eliminated I- by fucking Fnatic. Map vetoes are so fucking weird, though. Like I, this one, this one's super interesting to me because I would wonder who actually makes the call on on G two. Because I, I don't, I don't know if it's like a if it's like an in game leader or coach who decide on it or, or what it might Look, be. Look, it's been agreed. We're all saying it's Hoxie and fuck Hoxie. Okay, so like, <laughs> partly that is what we're all doing. This year, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but I know when I was coaching Liquid, I wanted to take the map veto away from the players. I wanted that responsibility uh, my, myself to like determine maps because I thought I think. When I, my experience was that I had certain players who um, individually, like they, they wanted to play maps they individually felt confident on, but that changed like so frequently from like week to week. So if there was like a map we were doing good on as a team, but a player wasn't doing good on it individually, he wouldn't want to play that map despite the despite the fact that we're looking looking good on it throughout practice. So I mean, I it's it's always a weird one because I mean, yeah, I, I agree with the ankle. You play to the comfort of your stars, but at the same time, like some, I mean, for me, I had some stars that were so inconsistent with their feeling on different maps that it was. Every, every every tournament we went into, even if it was in back-to-back weeks, was like a different map is like our go-to map. And it's like, this isn't any way to do this. Like we have to find some consistency and, you know, like we have to have some kind of an idea of what map we're going to be good on coming into this week. And it can't be we show up on the day of the game and everyone, you know, someone comes in and just says, hey, I fucking want to play this map instead of what we went over last night. You know, I changed my mind. I looked at this demo last night and, you know, this is, this is scary. I don't want to go here. And I feel like that emotion from players is... Uh, just messed with my head as a coach in terms of like, I was like, I don't want you to feel like this. I don't want you guys to like have that fucking stress. So let me do it. By the way, I actually just looked this up now. In the two tournaments that G2 won, Blast World Final and IM kind of eats here, they are far and away the team that has the highest rating for fragging as a whole team. Uh, Kind of eats here, they have a 1.13 rating over 12 maps, which is mental for a team. And then in Blast World Finals, it's 1.11. The problem I have with their team, there's two parts. One, their main strength is player strength. Like, I actually don't think they're some, like, super-duper team. Like, you see, they don't have, like, super coordination. They're not like they have, like, loads of set. They're not innovating anything. So that's why I even found when they were winning, it was a bit overrated, the idea. Like, they're just a new god team. It's like, they're going to fall off eventually. But then the other thing is, because they, in that streak, just never lost any map. They would even win the opponent's map. That's going to make you actually have a totally deluded idea of what your maps are that you're good on. Like, by that logic, they were good on every map. Like, there's no way what happens is you're fragging probably made up for the few times you should have lost, like, 
13, 16 on the map and Monacy fragged everyone or Nico fragged everyone or JKS had a clutch round. Like that, I think sometimes you cover your flaws when you're on a heater like that. And what you don't realize is like what we're talking about essentially is since you need those stars to pop off, that's what G2's game is about. You've actually got to streamline it. You're probably good on like three maps ideally and you just want to get them every time possible. Fuck what the last result on it was or if this team's good on it. That's your game. Your game essentially is we hit the hardest on our maps. Yeah, and I think, you know, you tailor your game and your map pool to fit your players. I mean, for example, when, when I was in phase and, you know, we would have smart players and good aimers like in, in Nico and Rain, guys like Olaf, who was really ex experienced the cold two on the lurk, then, you know, I want to play maps where they can work, you know, <laughs> like the, they can they can make things happen right which is mostly what, what it was at the time was like mirage nuke dust too right so where i can put them into where it's not that difficult to get let's say post plants right because when you have nico and all of well and then you know they may have a higher chance of winning a 2v3 right than some teams would have winning a 3v3 on a on a different map right so i think you have to look at the makeup of your team and roster and what are your players' strengths and then pick your maps accordingly. That's why I always said, you know, for a team like Cloud9 to be the best in the world, really, like their map pool has to be, so their best maps need to be Overpass, Vertigo, and probably like, you know, Ancient or Anubis, right? Like, because when they came onto the scene, it was Overpass, Train, and vertigo and that's so hard because you know a lot of teams they ban one of those maps and the yeah. second one out of the three is probably low on the map pool for them right because everyone's familiar with inferno and mirage and and nuke so it feels silly not to play that map when your players know it and and, and that sort of a jazz while on the other hand you know for a team like phase i'd always say inferno mirage nuke similar like with g2 like those should be their strongest maps if they're going to win tournaments and then some of the other ones hopefully you're like really good on or pretty good on one of the the other ones and then you know you don't need to win 2-0 every series you need to win 2-1 so as long as you can get two out of your three best maps in majority of the vetoes then you know you're going to be pretty good pretty by good. the way the one that now people have forgotten about because the playoffs came along is, bro, the one you have to go back and watch is what the fuck the end of that Navi phase series at the end on Anubis was, where it was like 15-9 <laughs> or something. Like, bro, that's going to be one of the craziest collapses, but also like insane, like plot armor. That dude, I actually, I can't even lie. After that series, even though it didn't make any sense, they weren't playing well. I was like, I assume phase just has to win the major. You know, they can't, they mm. won't die. They're like a fucking Dragon Ball Z boss. Like <laughs> you have to do the <laughs> Super Saiyan move at the end to kill them. Like they keep, they keep appearing out the smoke when you think they're dead. That was so crazy, the end of that series, guys. I couldn't Fuck fucking it believe it. I couldn't even fucking believe that game. I, I like what was who was the clutch? Was it was it fucking uh You mean the Rops one on Mirage? No, the one on Anubis. It was NPL with that 1v2 clutch. Oh, yes. I thought I thought it was done after that. I yes. thought it was just gonna be fucking done after that. The fact I don't I don't know how I still to this day don't know how Faze survived that. I mean Brokey was in God mode as far as I remember. That was like yeah, one yeah, of those ones where he was, yeah, he was absolutely fucking carrying that shit, wasn't he? But I mean, to win seven of the last eight rounds on CT Anubis with how T side of the conversation has been with this map, like that yes. CT side supposed to be the weakness. That's such a big boy comeback. But I'll tell you what, the thing I remember most from that series is 
simple just uh, you want to talk about someone disappearing from a series yep, true simple had no fucking impact i was i was so disappointed at the end of that game that simple just didn't have one round where he just took over the fucking game especially because here's the thing right it's not like he's doing some shit if you're like a fan of his like oh but he's actually trying to be more of like a team player bro they still drop him like the fucking like p250 on the pistol so he can get armor and shit like that like he still has the op all the time if you just look he was just whiffing like you know how in his prime the first shot always hits from simple then it's like right we'll see if you can get the second kill dude he would just miss like a normal mid-range yep. op shot it was crazy like you almost can't believe it's the same player yeah, I don't I don't know what happened in that in that series. He was he was shook or something. It was funny. I think uh it was Dinka who asked like Blade like a pregame interview, I think right before that series, about like about simple because he they just like come off like that Monty game like a couple days like I think the day before uh it was and was just like, What's up with simple? Like did, did Monty get to him? And and Blade was just like, Yeah, like Blade's like oddly <laughs> enough, way way too fucking honest. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but he is yeah, just like, completely yeah. his head. <laughs> he's like, I don't I don't know what's going on with simple, but it's it seems like yeah, it. there was some shit going on there. And I was just like, don't say that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, he was, I, I don't know. Mentally, he didn't seem like uh, switched on in the same way, at least in that at least in that map. Dude, that's where I would love it. Because let's be real, he's going to get booted. That's where I would love it if like they did an interview with NPL after they got eliminated. And he just did like the passive aggressive simple one of like, you know what? I think some players on our team, like, you know, some of them had the op, for example, they just didn't really hit their shots. And, you know, you need your star players to step up if you want to win because that's because that, you know how simple did like seven month campaign of that where every time they lost, it was like, right, what's he going to say about the NPL guy now yeah. without mentioning his name? They'd be like, well, you know what? Some of our players are really experienced. It's like, bro, there's only one guy. Let's just join the team recently. Like, you may as well just say a fuck NPL at this point. Like, these, <laughs> these interviews are mad, bro. You might listen to this. What's the point in this? What are we doing at this point in time? That that team's got that team has gotten in such a bad way when you just can't when like every single fit that joins the team just gets reamed the fuck out. Like yep. you could that that is just the telltale sign of a team just being an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah, I don't know, like even the rumors that that are out with uh whatever, you know, whether they're going to remove Blade and MPL, like, you can't remove Blade, dude, like, that's Who just, are you getting instead is what yeah, I don't it's get. Like, I mean, that's yeah. the one guy who's, like, keeping things, and you can say whatever you want about Simple, he didn't win a major until Blade became his coach, right? So, yeah, I think I think he deserves a good amount of credit for the success that Navi has had, and, yeah, I mean, their season is over now, right? Like, they didn't get some of the visas for Dallas. Dallas, so yep. Dallas and Washington, they're not going to be there. So I don't know what's going to happen. I hope that Simple takes like an extended time off and sort of tries to, I don't know, maybe figure some shit out. I don't know. Like uh, it's it's hard to hold anything against them cons considering the circumstances. But, you know, Navi needs to create a roster, build a roster, which he isn't going to have problems against, which I don't know if it's possible. Um, but if he is unhappy and you're not getting, you know, strong performances from him, you're not going to do much, no matter who the other players are on the team. So that's, that's what Navi has I to figure out. I think probably you remove MPL and you need someone more experienced because Bit doesn't have like a, a massive amount of experience and he fell off a little bit too. So that's when it really starts showing up and 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 becomes a bigger issue well and and i mean for another completely different reason too like if you're gonna have simple in this team like simple's mindset is always win now 
You know, like how do you convince oh, sure. simple that it's like rebuilding time? Like you have, you have simple, you have electronic, both playing well. Perfecto is obviously a piece you're going to keep. I mean, you, you can't go down and, and pick up the NPLs. And I mean, even I, th- I thought, you know, this, this goes back to like, I don't want to go all the way back to the SDY. I think some of SDY was doing fine and doing well in that team. But like, I think that's the biggest problem is when you have those like diverging mindsets of like trying to pick up someone young and inexperienced while the other four players on this team are like, nah, bro, we just played in the Cologne Grand Finals, like one of the greatest games of all time. We just won a major back in, back in Stockholm. Like we're in win now mode. You know, like we're, we're not here to build you up. It's time to get going. And if that's, that's going to be the philosophy, like, I don't care what Blade says about not picking anyone up who's like 25 years or older, you have to get like an established player, an established experienced player. And also how unlucky is Navi? Like think of the players they had in the academy team. They had Bit, they had Monacy, they had Hedtrick, who was even looking decent now. The one they chose to put in their team after they got Blit was fucking NPL, who seems like the only one who wasn't good. It doesn't even seem like he was good in the academy team. Like, how have you picked that wrong? Like, as far as I know, the Hedrick guy could have just been a rifle in Na'Vi. Like, why not? Why is that not possible? Yeah, he even played as a stand-in at that... Uh, play the blast that simple couldn't play, yeah. Blast group. So, yeah, that's strange. Usually, uh, you know, Na'Vi is super spot-on with those. Remember when they pulled out Perfecto? Like, oh, yeah. You know, it's like... Defector. There were so many oh, other by the names. way, mate, there's an example of why I don't want to hear this idea that Blade sucks. It isn't just that everyone fragged out and simple, simple, and they won the major. Mate, I never would have picked that Perfecto guy. I couldn't see that. But then when you see how he fit in Na'Vi, dude, that's genius. If that was really Blade who saw that in fucking Simon Game, he is a genius, mate. I mean, he also had a hand in the Gambit Youngsters project. Yep. And like forming that lineup and scouting those players. So I'm I'm not going to doubt Blade's eye for talent anytime so, soon. Sure, like he might not get it right every single time, but I think he's earned the right to be wrong about a player. And we don't even know if MPL is like the problem necessarily. You know, what are the what's the dynamics of the team, right? Like he doesn't look as bad as I don't know, you know, drop. For example. Oh, by the way, the worst part of the Blade one is what you said earlier, Moses. He's too honest. Like, Blade doesn't understand PR, and he definitely doesn't understand, like, "Mm, this will not be taken the way I mean it, and I might get memed on. He's just like a little robot, like, yes, this is what I think. That that is correct. Also, why the fuck are they just sending him to do every single fucking interview? You know exactly why. Dude, it's the one he he said, though. Let's get where... to focus on playing, like leave Oh, like that player, yeah. The, the one that killed me was the one where he said that he like thinks electronics are good IGL or something. It's like I, here's the sad thing, because I've spoken to Blade, I think I know what he means by that. Right? Blade does have a really great mind to be an IGL and a coach, because essentially he actually believes that like you can almost like teach people anything. And if they just understood the concept, like they'd get it and then they'd like level up their un- understanding of the game. Which look, I'd love to be in an idealistic world where that's the case. But I think like we're saying about simple where you want to win now, you have to be a bit cutthroat. You actually have to sort of be like, actually, this guy's not gonna get it. So I think his logic is like we're you know, electronic like Played entry. He's like a really skilled rifler. He's probably got a good attitude. Doesn't seem like he has a big ego. You know, if he just learns like how to like do my system, then it'd actually be the ultimate, wouldn't it? Because I'd have an IGL and he could frag and he can even be like a semi entry yeah. player. The problem is, you, you, I've always said his problem is there's a saying in English the perfect is the enemy of the good. If you actually reach for perfection too much, you miss what is good in front of you that you can just take today. So I always think in that team, it's not like electronic has to go. He could be a really good rifler again, surely. Surely there's no, another option no, than him as I Don't go down that road. Don't go, that, don't go down to. that road, Duncan. You can't. 
how many list list off to me with your crazy encyclopedic historical brain? How many players have switched to being an in game leader for a year and been able to transition back to being a good player? It's not that many, to be fair. Nee, cool. It's not that many. <laughs> That's fair about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, that I'll transition that transition it, back for whatever reason. Once you take in game leader roles, I swear to God, like it ruins something in your brain to be. I, a mean, good I don't player. think Jan calls Nico one works anyway because Nico still was like just as good fragging while the IGL and. In many ways, yeah. look, like he did the same thing. So I agree, though. If you do it the hard swap, I don't know if you ever really come. That is true. That is true, actually. That's well, the only problem with it I see. Because I, like, I think I would love it too. But he did change some things, but not everything. Because also the the premise was, well, yeah, he he has some temporary game lead. Yeah, but it's also like, well, I don't want to lose everything he brings as a player just so that he can lead, right? So it was a bit of a mix and match, like some places where he could keep some of the spots he did. Mostly on the CT side, he did, but uh, T side, maybe there were some changes. And in the first year, it wasn't great. Like, uh, you know, I think he was 11 or something like that in the top 20. Like it was lowest for him in a couple of years. But then... But then in 2020... Right, that's the sort of luxury life they yeah. caused them. Like, yeah, he had to open off your 11th in the world. Motherfuckers <laughs> like your Kindle, like, what? Like, All right, that's, that's pretty good, what are you talking about? Yeah. 2020, <laughs> but then in 2020, he was number four. So, and that's the second highest in history for an in-game leader. Okay. Fallen was number two in... 2016 yeah, well, we'll, or something Listen, we like all that. know that's fraudulent, obviously. <laughs> we won't get into that, will we, Yanko? Hey, By the man. way, there's another thing, Yanko. That's how you know <laughs> it's true. I'm not saying things for... You know this. I, I mean, I've told him it. I'll tell him to his face I believe that statement. Like, that, I am just a crazy motherfucker like that. I am the Skip Bayless of CSGO in many ways. I believe that shit. But the other thing on, the, on that particular topic as well is... Navi, I know, listen, I know, unfortunately, there's the really awkward scenario of the real life situation and the conflict and like the, the PR of what happens if you pick up a Russian player, for example. But guys, the old problem in the CIS region was that it, you had like Navi, maybe like the odd player on flip side. And then most of the other players, like there'd be a few players on a gambit or something. There weren't that many talents you would actually bother to take or who looked like they were rising talents. This is the craziest golden generation of like raw talents and aimers and skilled players. The region's probably ever produced. It's just unfortunately, like you can't just take them all. And also contracts are changed. Like you can't just pick everyone up for free. I feel like the timing's so bad because you look at some of the other teams. Dude, there's even people in teams like Forza could probably be in an RV, you know. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I think, that's especially, I mean, the CIS, it's so wild, you know, like you, you, you talk about Brazil, where's the fucking opera that's really good, you know, like a, yeah. a really sick prospect, yeah. you know, there's a couple, you know, safe is there, uh, NQZ, maybe something will turn out of him, try, I know he's not Brazilian, but he's played. The Zevi guy's all right on pain. Yeah, he like it's also guess. looking decent, but you know, where's your, Okay, Monacy is maybe asking for for yeah, too yeah. much, but you know, you're Zorty, you're yeah. wonderful, you're Dexter, right? Any of these guys, like they're just churning out offers in the CIS, and Brazil doesn't have one at all. I mean, you look even at in NA, OC. I mean, okay, Jason, <laughs> just fucking shitting on him, but I mean, oh, well, I mean, you, you know, you'd, you'd want for something like a bit more explosive, and also, I, I don't think in that team he could get enough space to even do stuff like that but that's a different conversation there's your boy junior 
That's, that's uh, what I was going to say. Like after, after OC, you get to know it. And even OC up until like the major hadn't really had a whole lot of blow up games with the off. Yeah. Right? He had a lot of times. It was nice with the rifle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, I mean, liquids historically always had an issue of bringing an opera in and well, getting dude, an opera wasn't that like the, Wasn't that like the dick joke everyone was making for banter? Like that, that she naffs the best opera on liquid or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> Cause you know what we're all like, we're all this piece of shit like that. Uh, even though it's mean, it's funny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's it's a good point about Brazil, and it's a good point about NA. Like, like if you think about like, well, if you focus on NA, like the bit, like you want to talk about two of the most important roles you can have in a Counter Strike team: opera and in-game leader. And we have like zero of both. <laughs> Moses, we, I, we was, one. I was almost crying laughing when they did. That. I think it was Blast did that segment where they were like, "Right, what do you guys think of Nitro?" And they're all like, "Yeah, good in-game leader." All those other people, and they're like, "Oh, what do you? How would you rate him in terms of predictability?" Like, very very predictable like what? how could <laughs> yep. I, dude if every other top team says that i'm, I'm you know danger will robinson i think we're in trouble here like well yeah if you're rating, if you're rating your opponent's in game leader of, of course you're know. gonna say it's good when he's predictable <laughs> so ridiculous in it at all yeah but that's so yeah. sick i dude i speaking of nitro man he's in he's surely he's got to be on the way out right like he's he has to be He's not, also, to be fair, I'm, it's not even hating if you want him replaced. He's played a long time, guys. He's even played in IGL for a long time. He's had a very long career and a very successful career. Like I don't, I, I don't even, I don't know I don't who even... you replace him with. But I would, I mean, if I were them, by the way, if I'm Liquid, I just commit to this idea that I have three NA players and two Europeans. That's just how yeah. my team is from now on. You know. Yeah, I think, I, I think for them also is. I mean, this conversation with Yakinder leading on some maps because Nitro couldn't be there for a week. I said this like um, on on the stream the other day. Can that you imagine? Like bullshit, doesn't it? Can you imagine? No, it's because it's because his kid was born. His I know. Kid was born. No, that's okay. Like that, he wasn't there. I understand. So it's it's great. But riddle me this: if Carrigan is not with the team for a week, does someone yeah. else lead on a couple of maps? That's uh, also yeah. though where Nitro himself right, is right. like too much of a nice guy. Those and he was is like if Carrigan does that, Carrigan's going to say, "Look, like you, you had a cool week, but I'm the IGL now." Yeah, like, I hope you, it hope feels you got a like, taste of it. Feels like Nitro's like, "Yeah, no, go ahead, like let's try it, let's see if I it works out." I was like, "Oh, calls. come on, man!" And exactly. I'll tell you one more thing. I think <laughs> Yakindar, he is biting off way more than he can chew. Like he's trying to be the. Not in-game leader, but, you know, some of the in-game leading, some of the leadership role on the team. He's, like, teaching them how to play CS and, like, <laughs> that you know, to, so to the European meta and whatnot. And then on the server, he's super aggressive and trying to create space. It's like, that's not really working, dog, isn't is it? Like, you know, like, pick what you want to be mm. in that team. Do you just want to be a player who takes you know, tries to create a lot of space and is aggressive and everything, then leave some of the other stuff to other players on the team. You want to take a bigger leadership role? Well, then let other players have impact on the server and, and you know, try to try to do things. Right now, it feels like Liquid is Team Yekindar and he is the the ruler. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna toot my own horn and just bring this up because I said this on an episode after Cologne last year when like that, when Yukinder came in and all the conversation was around okay. how he's reinventing the team. And it was just, it was like the roadmap at that point is just, was just so obvious to me, like laid out. It was like, I, I think I gave it like six months, which is maybe a, off a little bit, but it was just like, you know, you have someone come in that changes the identity this much and becomes the face of the team this much, does all the interviews, all the praise going towards him. It's a matter of time before like that, that team like hijacked is too strong of a word, but. It, it was obvious he was eventually going to just take over the in-game leader duties. It was like that was always going to happen because that's the only way it works. If someone's teaching the team how to play a certain style of Counter-Strike and you're also teaching the in-game leader, eventually 
that you're just going to become the in-game leader. It's just it's just how it happens. And it's wild. He's 23. Why would he be doing that? I don't think he should do that. But you know, it also comes like remember we're like right after I, right when I when I when I was in Liquid and I brought in Fallen um and Stewie was calling and then they you know wanted to switch to to Fallen for Ver or Stewie wanted to get off the in-game leadership and pass it on to Fallen and then I left and it went back to Stewie and then it went back to Fallen one more time. It's also like remember this is also a team that like just doesn't understand like how to take short-term losses for a long-term benefit. They don't they don't stick out the process, you know, like they, they don't, they don't say this is the plan of action and we're going to look three events ahead. And yeah, this is probably going to suck and be rough and be frustrating and stressful. And we're going to have to stick it out for like three events so that come that fourth event, we start taking the positive steps and seeing the fruits of our labor. That's not, you know, liquid as a team can't do that. They, they, they don't, they don't handle that well. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there's, a, I think there's a whole host of issues and yeah, that, that team has some, some soul searching that org has some, some things to figure out moving forward. On the Kindar angle, like people will know, I won't say I'm a hero, I'm just a critic. I actually think he's a fabulously skilled player. And I do think some of the stuff he does on T side, like there are a lot of teams I would like to see him play on the T side for. He could do a lot for him. The problem is like the reason why I never bought this whole angle of like, he's like revolutionized the game and Reva. It's like, First of all, even his T-sides, like, it's not like he's actually some, like, mini IGL breaking down, like, the defense, like some genius Peyton Manning quarterback, and he's reading what to do. Half the time, it looks like he just has the balls to go for some really aggressive entries, and if he lands them, he's like old-school Apex. He could just hit you, like, both in the head instantly and break the site open. But he'll also have rounds where he just runs in a brick wall. And, mate, the one that kills me is on CT-side. On CT side, this is one of those guys who just likes to push and die early so fucking much. It's mental and just leave you in a 5v4. Like, on T side, you can do that. That's sort of your role even in the team. On CT side, you have to be more responsible, I think, sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you need, you need, you need like coordinated aggression, right? Not like the, the solo crazy aggression from just one player. But I think, I think too, Yakinder suffers from that kind of, um, I think like one, one thing easily you could criticize his game for is I think he has certain games where he feels like he has to do too much. And I think that might yep. be part of it. Like he, like he, I, more than anyone, I feel like I see games from Yakinder where I'm like, he's trying to, he's trying to dictate way too much on this map at the moment. And I don't know if it's like a lack of confidence that his teammates can get the job done or lack of confidence that they're on the same page. But, but yeah, he, he doesn't, he doesn't hold himself back. Dude, that was the thing I hated about the narrative about it was Nico that failed and blew the majors. Because first of all, he had maps, like even in that other series we were talking about, where the game should just be over already if everyone else turns up. Like, you didn't have to be on the bad map at the end. But the other thing is, like... Actually, Nico isn't like old school device where you sort of play more and more passive when you're a bit afraid. You don't go with like the like, push you should. You sort of let them like bully you a bit. Dude, he actually, when he loses games, I also feel the same about Nico. He actually tries to do too much. It's almost like he knows he's losing the game. And in this case, on an uncomfortable map, he just tries to make a player, but it's just not, it's just not the right time for it, you know? So it's, that's why I find all these discussions so hard. Like, why are we going to separate a player from his team? Yeah, I felt I did. I felt the worst for Nico in that Bad News Eagles game. <laughs> oh my god, he, that was that should have been a win based on his play, mate. That was a win all day long for many teams. Yeah, but yep. here, here's the here's the thing. Like, you are choosing which narrative and 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 how you want to. I, I saw Maui make like tweets, like you know he will be remembered for uh, the miss on Nuke and. Uh, something else like you know some yeah, other fail you know or the miss in this second pistol against bad news eagles right in the 3-1 it's like you do know that even if he 
misses that shot and dies, that not doesn't necessarily mean they have to lose the round. No, you know his teammates are still in a two v one. Like he had ridiculous rounds in that game, and they still ended up losing. Right, like you you can't make and also. That's like you're trying to 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 create that narrative and talk about that. I can I can say like, uh, yeah, well, what about you know the Boston major and the game against Mouse Sports where you know the clutch where he drops down vents and dies in the flames and gets them yep. into overtime and they keep going right. You're not gonna tell me that the 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 final is on fucking Nico. Like I'm I'm not gonna take that either. I'm gonna you you're gonna tell me about the new crown and missing with the eagle. From behind, I'm going to tell you about the semifinal against Heroic and his performance on Inferno, where he single-handedly pretty much on T-side was able to, you know, destroy Heroic and get G2 into the into the grand final, right? Like, sure, there have sure. been, been some moments, but you tr- for, to try to build a narrative that Nico is like a choker and that he never shows up in big games, like, you can't say that. Sure, can you say that... He, you would have liked him to have played better in some of the finals or some of the, those games where they got eliminated. Sure, but it's not that he's only playing bad in those games. He has good games and bad. Um, so yeah, I just like for me, that's just like whatever. Also, the other thing is right. There's a couple of things to that. One, the round you're talking about as well, dude. If you even look it up, like online, there's it's titled as like costs G two the major. Like, dude, they're up fifteen twelve. Yeah. Like, there's like three rounds. There's two more rounds yeah. to be played after this, and that was where if there's you remember, one more map. Even if they win, yeah, exactly. It would have been the third. You wouldn't have won it off that anyway. And that, so, and by the way, most people would have had them losing the third map anyway. And then secondly, that was where late in that game, also simple was catching fire and hitting everything. So it's like it's like it's a perfect storm of just missing one shot and I actually do agree I think that particular run the Stockholm one aside from that fucking Deagle miss is almost like a superlative run from Nico he was unreal yes. I agree with Yanko like the heroic guys basically told me like well yeah of course we should have won that fucking third map like we mm. couldn't do anything the guy just shot us every time we appeared on the screen like those classic reverse POV movies where they you know you oh, see the those. Nico Ferrari peak everyone and you don't even see his elbow and you're dead like I think fans at home are just like thinking it's like an FPL game they're playing like no way and then the other one as well for me is what they ignore about this because people did the same thing to Simple when he didn't have as great a performance in Cologne even though it's not a major Right, people go like, oh, I expect the best player to step. Like, you do know the majority of players play worse in a in a major final. The majority. People like Cold Zero are not only aliens, they were already in two. It's not like they played 10 and they were amazing in 10. Like you, Everyone's brain's been broken by fucking Michael Jordan. Like not, almost <laughs> everyone else in history wasn't that guy. Like most people are just human. And when they have a really good game, it goes well. They can still fuck it up. Sometimes they have a bad game, but they win anyway because the team plays well. Like people act like, like my boy device has four majors. Dude, one of them, he played like shit in the final, but his team won the game for him. Like, these narratives don't make sense. We have to f- ask questions like, what was required of you? Like, how many mistakes did he make? I agree with Yanko. If you're going to take that one mistake from Stockholm, it's like, so he has to just be perfect now. They're never yeah, allowed to yeah. make a mistake. Yeah, that's the problem. It's like, if someone is, is a, if you want to call someone clutch, it's like he has to be clutch every single fucking time. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's not how it works. It's just that, you know, he takes the 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 chance, he takes the opportunity and, you know, he probably more often than not 
makes it or makes it like half of the times because to begin with, it's such a difficult, you know, shot to make or such a difficult round to win or or whatever it is. Like that that's just so crazy for you to expect like, oh, so every final he plays, he needs to have one of those games where he has 30 kills. Like, like dude, I swear, I could look, I have I have the mind to do this, but I'll do it for you anyway. Every or you know, like, if you make the list of the GOAT players, Yanko, so you're gonna do like Zewa. We just discussed he's never even been in a major final till now, and he played like probably the lowest ranked team ever to be in a major final. So that one's off the table. Simple's had a bunch of screamer finals, the SK one, the fucking Astralis face it one. Some of those were terrible forms. He's tried to do too much. Nico's had this one in the Boston one, but actually in this one before the Deagle one, it's still pretty good performance. Keep going back, all of Meister's first final they just lost to nip in a series they should never lose fucking get right who's one of those clutch players ever was in like five finals won one of them which was fluky the aforementioned all the one he had a bunch of ones where he'd have a good game but they might lose they have a bad game they don't win like the, every player kenny s before he won the major clues the poker was in the cologne final and had that cobble game where tears. he had like five get kills and literally was crying on stage because he thought i've just blown the major and my chance everyone shocks doesn't even play as well in them dude i don't think people understand it's like the super bowl sometimes even great players like you don't get to that many and the pressure is so insane on you specifically like let's be real i'm sure jks was sad when he lost uh like a fucking a big final or something in his career but it's not the same as like everyone in the world telling you like nico like you suck you cost them the match like ah oh, that's like that's a different level of pressure. And I think there's only like 10 guys know what that feels like. Yeah. Fucking Nico of, of every player in the world is probably the most I don't I don't know. Most hated. Yeah, scrutinized is the best way to put it. But like he like he for whatever reason, people love to just dumpster on Nico, which is which is crazy to me. I fucking love watching Nico. By the way, the other angle that kills me inside is the fucking roll and the rifle angle. It's like, bro, if you can only compare him to Simple and Zwoo and fucking yeah. Shiro, they're all opus. <laughs> like, spoiler, they do the same to Axile, by the way. If Axile ever has a series off, you're shit. It's like, bro, you know him and Nico are like among the entry packs. Like these are the, these aren't like the fucking bait lurker. I, that kills me, dude. Because the bait rifler can guarantee his kills every game. The person who plays like semi entry, like these guys do, again, it's like your kinder. He plays the ultimate version of it. But you're gonna have games that just don't hit. They can't do it. And, the, and the, I'm sorry, the rifle is not as good as the op like that. The op can take over the game. Also, the way you can't on the rifle. I think that's a really key point too, because I've I've had this battle with Yanko as well. Because like Nico as a, as a rifler, just like defi like he breaks out of like the restraint, like the rolled conversation is so impossible with Nico. Yes, because you would never call him an mm. entry fragger, but his opening stats are fucking mental. Yep. I remember having that Dirk battle said. with Yanko a number of times, and I'm just like, wait, maybe I do need to call him an entry fragger. Well, it's because like he's not in the pack, right? Like he's not your first guy going in, yeah. like. Carrigan or Raynar. He plays the same position, for example, like Crops, but he plays plays it a lot more aggressively. aggressively. Absolutely. Right? Because he's not, and that's fine. You know, you have players with different styles because Rops in the clutch is insane. And even if it's a 1v3, if he has good timing or whatever, he can win you those rounds. But Nico is a guy, if he gets good timing on the more aggressive play, he can open up the bomb site. And that's it. The round is over, right? Like it's it's basically comes down to Right, you have a player who has really good aim and really good game sense, so he has a really good sense for timing and, and understands what's going on on the map. So you want to try to give him isolated fights where, you know, there's not an op waiting for him and he doesn't have to go through, you know, utility to get that fight. Like, he's going and he has the advantage, he has the better info. So 
that's why we're seeing, you know, Exile plays B, B apps on Mirage um, on T side, right? Because that's where usually on the CT side is the weakest player. Yep. So that's actually where it's almost, it's like matchups, you know, in the NFL. You're trying to, to find the matchup, right? With that sort of a style or, or mismatch um, and just create an advantage. Because just knowing that Exile plays B, for example, and then you have Cooksey or Kerrigan on the CT side, that's going to make, you know, Monesi or Brocky probably decide to lean more towards B than to A in, let's say, some situations. If it's 4v4s or something like that, who knows? Maybe you're going to call different things in freeze time because you, you, you need to dedicate a bit more resources to that side of the map because if you just leave it to an aim fight and to, like, duke it out, Exile versus Kerrigan or Exile versus Hooksy, I don't think it's a massive mystery who comes out um, comes out on top in that one. In fact, if you go and look, I just looked it up now, Moses. It's true. On both T and CT sides, Nico has the most opening kill attempts. And on CT, he gets it 60%. And on T, he gets it 44 But he's doing almost 28% opening on T. Yeah. Right? Think about that, right? Almost half the time, he gets the kill. If people know the stat, if you're 5v4 on T side, you just win the round like 75% of the time. Like That's why I'm sorry no one calls Huxley one of the greatest IGLs in the world. Like You have the fucking OP rifle. Mate. Your rifle just opens around for you every time, makes you 5v4. At that point in time, your call doesn't even have to be as good. You rotate off the defense, you spread them out, you can do whatever you want at that point. You're just playing with house money. I'm not hating on Huxy either. Like you did what you did, but I, I, I essentially what we're talking what we're pointing out here is Nico does uniquely insane things as a rifler. And then everyone goes, Yeah, but what about the, the few things he didn't do? It's like fucking hell, but we don't do that with other players. Like we don't hit on other players that way, surely. Bro, I'll tell you what, I don't care how many times he criticizes analysts, but Simple makes some fucking rough decisions oh, at times sure. that, he, that he obviously gets away with. But if you watch him, you're just like, like and even I'm fault prey to it too. Even I give him the benefit of the doubt because I'm just like, you can do stupid things in this game that shouldn't even be possible. So so fair play if you want to go for it. But when those backfire, he's he's made some he's made some rough decisions that put his team in horrible spots. Right, anyway, that's enough for the Nico defense squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right, we'll have his annual meeting in another year. It's so, it's, so, it's so fucking, like, it's getting really tiresome because the problem is that I do know him, right? And we are friends, but it's also like, it's a great player that's just getting, not smeared, but, you know, like. Stripped out. Yeah, and, it, and it's like, why are we doing this, like, to, to this guy? Why is, like, the, why is everyone trying so hard to make this the narrative? Why is he scrutinized so much and not someone like, you know, Elise or, or, or some of those like other players. Well, so yeah, you know, fuck that. We could do that. We can, I, I, I'm in for that. Well, let's just pick, we'll pick like four players next episode. We'll just, we'll just we'll tear them apart. Them. Yeah. We'll also, by the way, if you go and look at the stats at the major, he was still like the fucking, like, let me see the eighth highest rated player. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad at all. Like, essentially, even if people think he sucked on the last map, that means on the rest of the maps, he must be really good to average it out. Yeah, he played... What do you want? <laughs> seven maps. Him and him and Hedrick are there next to each other with seven maps played. But, yeah, of course, now, you know, we're going to go into Dallas with, you know, Vitality not being there, everyone else pretty much being there. Well, Navi didn't get their visas either. That was, was going to be my next question, was Dallas. Yeah. How do we contextualize an event right after the major? Same way we did with Rio right before it, or Dallas last year. I mean, it was the same Dallas thing last with year Dallas was the last worst year. One, wasn't it? 
Hence, with yeah. the standing instead of six, like, can somehow go to the final. What? There were like five standing teams at that event. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. G2 lost to Furia in the quarterfinal. <laughs> oh, by the way, here's Fucking what I did. And, and then Furia lost to <laughs> with the standing. The joke about this tournament is this, as if to prove the narrative that it doesn't matter and it's a week after the major, this is where you just know fucking Cloud9 like wins the event or something. It's like, oh, yeah. fuck oh. off, you clowns. Like, can you actually ever do it when it matters? Why do you have to keep giving me hope, you bastards? Bro, they're going to have the crowd behind them again. They're going to have the fucking crowd behind them again. I just I have mean, that horrible feeling, you know. There's one thing, though. We're going to get Astralis. Um, My God. <laughs> On a in a tier one tournament, actually, and they're playing Liquid in the opening game in a best of one. That's a meme uh, right there. This team list is fucking wild, bro. What happened to Mouse? What's up with my boy Mouse? Are we done? Are we done with them? Are we off the Mouse hype train? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened to them. They just like shit the bed in Rio and in uh, like they just and, I don't... and at the major. Like it's actually unbelievable. I don't know if you know. Like you look at that. I think they need a better opener than Torji. Yeah. Um, yeah. Frozen and Exertion are really good. Like they they can be a legit two core rifles, a passive and an aggressive one on your team. JDC, I'm not 100% sure. Like as that sort of a more supportive rifler, is he fine enough for them or not? And then, you know, you look at Dexter as an in-game. I mean, it, it's so funny. Like they were just adding these academy players into the main team. I mean, Shui now, <laughs> right? Legit would probably be the better option for them in that position. I don't know if they can yeah. afford them, though. Not anymore. Maybe if they didn't <laughs> make it all the way, you know? And also, even Acor was on Mouse, you know, but he was terrible. Like, he was bad at that point. At, at that time. That's but... also where people have got to stop doing that. Like, look, it's funny when Mouse and, Shu and Acor and Shui beat Mouse, but, like, if you saw the way Acor played on Mouse, like, everyone would cut him. Like, that was definitely the right move. In fact, that, I always give this analogy. Have you ever, you've probably heard those stories on social media where someone's like, my wife left me with the kids. I was 300 pounds oh, and like in bad condition, but I hit the gym and now she doesn't know what she's missing. It's like, by that logic, thank her. You weren't going to fucking do that by yourself, apparently. Like, if, <laughs> if me kicking you made you get awesome and, like, level your game up, who the fuck are you hating on? Like, if Acor's good now, and even then, let's be it's tournament to tournament, then it sounds like maybe he just needed to be in a different team or move on. Like, and they gave him quite a while, if you remember. Well, also, I mean, like, if you remember, like, when he popped on the scene at Flashpoint 1, like, stylistically, that was never going to fucking work in Tier 1 Counter-Strike. Sure. Like, the, the way he, the way he opted yep. and the way he played the game, he had to learn some fucking harsh lessons. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was really critical of him at the time. Uh, but then, you know, once he had uh, good games um, and, and started playing much better Gamer Legion, I was like, you know, prop, you know, glory, more power to him, right? He managed to turn it <laughs> glory around. Glory to Echo, okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's also some meme-like simulation shit where it's like, and he's in the Echo arena, like, oh, fuck off. Who's, yeah. Who wrote this? This is just bad writing, isn't it? But Anders made that joke during a cast, <laughs> and I was like, fuck off. Bro. Like, what? A, I can't I do anything with that one. <laughs> I know, it's just nonsense, isn't it? By the way, we mentioned it earlier, but even though, look, I can't really make a case he's the best player in the world, but, mate, Rops might just be, like, the most clutch player in fucking years, young <laughs> It's absurd. Like, like at this point, I, I always say now, this reminds me of Simplitus Peak. When they're in the 1v3, I know he's getting the first kill, no matter how hard it is. I just question is, how is he going to set up this second one? It's like, the amount of times he has to, like, one-tap someone instantly to make it a 1v2 is ridiculous. But he just seems like he always does it. Like, he's always in the round. Yeah, he is the best closer in the game right now with, I would say, Serato probably a, a close second, but you know, doesn't get the same caliber of games to to maybe showcase 
is kill. I had drops like last year. I remember I tweeted like at the start of the year, you know, after Katowice or during Katowice, like he was going to be top five. I think he ended being seven. So it's also like really fucking hard to be top five as a rifler. Oh, sure. um, it feels like, but yeah, he's just incredible, right? Uh, with with the amount of impact. Sometimes maybe you still see him bait a little bit, right? But, uh, you know, uh, it's a small, if you win that small off, they'll let you get away between with team it. play and baiting, you know? <laughs> exactly. Bro, when you're that he, good at causing, sometimes maybe you should bait. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only reason they beat Bad News Eagles. His like Mirage performance down the stretch. Like I think I think it was like maybe like the last oh, for sure. four or five rounds of regulation into overtime was just like oh, yeah. you are the only reason FaZe is winning this game. Yeah, In fact, by the way, it was even unreal. That clutch with low HP on with on, like two on HP oh, or something. Uh, even know. though Lucky is obviously like a more skilled player and he has a different style, it does actually have that feeling of like prime cold zero where it's just inevitable they're gonna win the round. Like you can tell the opponent even thinks it may like I think when you play a player like that you just start making more stupid mistakes because you just it's like facing that's why I used to call called zero the Terminator it's like he just never stops fucking coming you run you get a car you like drive under the bridge you get on a plane yeah, it's like walking fucking, the whole time no exactly oh it's like one of those Warner Brother cartoons you get in a plane you take a ticket over the other side of the world you get out in China he's just waiting for you with like a fucking hello like what the fuck he's already here like you feel like you can't get away mate it's mental in it it's because he's got like, dude, he's got that like fucking deadly combination of just like obviously like mechanical gift and then just a cerebral player. Like he's just so smart. And like you you just always feel so outplayed when someone cerebral just fucking breaks you down like that. Oh, by the way, that's also one of those things where, you know, when people tell that origin story and they're like, oh, they all hated on him and said they thought he cheated and used a wall hack in FPL. It's like, have you seen how he plays now? Like, yeah. actually, it's like when people say, you know, people used to think Zemo cheats. It's like, bro, if you took the input off now, I'd think he cheated. What are you talking about? Like, he actually does have the skills that a cheater would have, basically. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> dude, if I played Rops at like at a random game and he was doing that shit, I'd be like, yep, he's cheating. Yeah, he's it's just bullshit, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, one thing that we kind of, it was weird that we, because we never really just start off the, the episode with like going straight into, you know, game talk or tournament talk or CS talk. Well, we just, Chad's not here to bring up fucking anime porn. So it's a little bit. Yeah, rough I know, but I thought we could still like, so Duncan, for example, like what is your like favorite, like major that you were working actually? That's like your best one and your worst one. I've had some good ones. Like, here's the problem. Sadly, Moses will know this. Even though, like, Atlanta Major was an amazing major, was unfortunately, <laughs> it was really limited for us as analysts. Like, we actually, because it was on TV, we had the least amount of time. Like, there was times we had, like, a minute. I'm not joking. And I'm not joking. There was a famous segment where Richard did that thing where he throws a question to me. And as he's finishing the question, it was like an open-ended one as well. Yeah, cool. like, what mm. do you think about the way that this team could play, though, and possibly match up? As he's saying that, like, Alchemist in my ears, like, cut, 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 throw back, throw back. And I had to just go, yeah. And then just pass back. And I'm like, well, fuck me. Because remember, everyone on HLDV just thinks you're a moron. You have nothing to say there. Like, oh, great, the game's starting. So unfortunately, that one can't be the best, I'm afraid. I actually think the Stockholm one was pretty banging. That was like, I had all, because also it was the first one after the, the online era. Up. You shut your fucking mouth. That felt, obviously for Moses, look, he had his own problems there. But I wasn't part of the, well, until I got cited as part of the old boys club. But fucking catching strays. I did nothing, mate. But aside from that, I did enjoy that nature. Plus, if you go back so in, funny. I won't the problem you. is, I do think that that year, 2016, had two of the best ones. Cologne and Columbus were fucking Columbus unreal. Great. They had the matches, they had the crowd, they had the storylines. Those two are like always living my oh, mind. You and I mean. me got dreamed out in Cologne. 
Why? Because what was it, was, it, it was the four man desks and we were doing like every single game. Oh, you just, yes. You're I right. did every it single game, breaks. literally. And yep. you just didn't do like one because you were recording something yes. like a, a voiceover. Like a segment for, for them or something. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Like that was so wild. And then the fourth person would be like blue or, or someone oh, yeah, who's, true. Like, who's yeah. like, listen, you know, just be quiet. <laughs> that, I can't lie, Yanko. That is low-key why some of the old mages were good as well. Because you'd sometimes just have like a random hire as the third person. And if you were like us, it's like being like the strikers in a good team. It's like, like essentially we were simple and they were MPL. It's like, shut the fuck up. I'm talking now, motherfucker. See, now we got all the balance desks and all professionals. You work with them like, it's true. There was a bit of a derelement that made it fun. I can't lie. I was going to bring up, when we did, when Duncan and I did Atlanta, that first E-League major we there was no there was no rotation for the analyst. Oh, it was just me, those for every it game. It was me, Duncan, and Richard on every desk for every fucking game. And I remember that segment that you just referenced was like the the opening, like the pre-show of day two, like the opening of the day in the in the arena or in the stadium. Um, and as soon as Duncan said that in my head, I just go, "Well, this is going to be one hell of a day." <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, "Well, here we go. This is going to be fun." Oh, He's- mate, there was another thing people don't know as well because E League was a TV production. They kept the same logic as the TV days. So even though we're doing a whole major and like we said we don't get breaks it's only me and Moses we would also have to come early for a production meeting at like 7 in the morning so no joke Yanko we would just go home have like the 3 hours sleep wake up do the production meeting and then do the major it's like no breaks no breaks and you don't get to talk and remember, at the end of the day, we had to do the uh, the quick hits for like all their broadcast partners. Yep. We had to like go through like the day and like do like yep. little like quick three minute breakdown segments on all the matches. That was fucked. All you need to know is like there's a reason why there's all those jokes about me. Like, right, is it the black monster or the white one now? Because they just drink like three of those motherfuckers a day. Because you have to just keep going. Like he said, at the end of the day, you have to like perk up and do like a nice like three minute segment. Like, yeah, well, the good thing about the game was like I'm so tired, please, please, I must sleep. I can't talk anymore. Well, at that point, we know you were already a diva. Uh, no, I was. Duncan, so you were just getting rock stars. It was. Oh, that's good. true. It was rock star at the time. You're right. Actually, it was. That was the, the drink. Rock star had to be the one but i richard reminded me uh over the major like the stockholm one and then when we were on the desk for the final and then when boomage proposed oh yeah <laughs> oh my and, lord yeah. and then you just turned to him he's like oh why is he on that <laughs> dude I, I mean i've told the story now because it's everyone's allowed to say this now because it did work out badly and even he obviously knows it wasn't right i was in the green room when he did that i did turn to richard and go well he's just ruined his life hadn't he and then because i remember saying you've just tied if it ever doesn't work out possibly the worst moment ever to the best, best moment of your career exactly like why have you gambled on that and spoiler that didn't age well did it <laughs> I, there's one thing you know if they had either that men in black device where it flashes in front of your eyes or that movie eternal sunshine the spotless mind they have a machine that can remove memories i wish i could just remove memories i have about boomage <laughs> and things i've seen on telegram now i don't want them in my mind that's like vietnam i can't get that out of there now like, if someone even says you think boomage should go back to navi i'm like uh, i'm a seeing i'm seeing images moses they're coming out of the shadows Bro, some of those telegram pictures were just so oh, fucking God, wild please. what a timeline that was i know it's like that is the, the definition of tmi too no much info. No, exactly. It's too much info. Oh, too no. much motherfucking info, bro. Oh. So why did that have to happen? So which one was the worst then? Oh, what was the Clues worst? Clues has got to be up there. 
Clues had a lot of problems. Essentially, uh, uh, Richard always says it, but I'll just lead with that. Anytime you're saying, like, can I please have water to drink? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that, that's not a great major right there, is it? Except if you're a fan, by the way, that's not even a diva request. You actually need water to talk a lot. Your throat gets really dry. No, dude, it was, it was the fact that <laughs> they had, like, but one of my, sorry, Jason, go ahead. I was just going to say, the Cluj de Poca thing, like the water was a problem, but also like the cafeteria was on the other side of the oh, arena yes. through the crowd, up four flights of stairs, <laughs> and they were like box, like like Romanian, like, I don't even know. Like Wait, food, you, food you wouldn't trust. Yeah. You look at it and you're like, oh, the meat's gray. I'm not eating. You would like, just say, what is that? And they would go, meat. But <laughs> it's gone, oh my God, please get me out. Also, Richard's told this story, but it is a totally true story. The Hellspawn guy, who obviously Richard now hates because like two months later or whatever, when they had that incident, it might have been a month later when they had the Dream at Winter incident. Hellspawn was the guy who was actually running a bunch of the tournament. And because Hellspawn's a bit like Blade in that sense, he just tells you like what he's thinking. He has no tact or like fucking like, he doesn't have any PR speak. So me and Richard go to Hellspawn and we go like, look, where's the food? Like we haven't, everyone's hungry and it's been like a while. And Hellspawn goes, I did have the food. The food came, but I gave your food, looking like dead in my face, but I gave your food to the crew. And it's just like, <laughs> why would you say that to it? Just say it to God. Here's something like, and me, I was like ready to like melt down completely. Like I'm fucking hungry, motherfucker. No, I am hungry. I remember when you did melt down and it was, you know, so back in the day we're doing like, our shifts are insane. You know, like we're doing For four sure. days. It's four best of threes a day and, and yep. you're doing like, Three of them at Early the least. Mostly you're doing like four because analysts don't get rotations. We even had those weird tournaments where you don't do you don't come back in between maps. <laughs> so it's like just <laughs> but you're still there the whole day. So this star ladder one, oh my god. And Duncan makes the rookie mistake where it's like you guys want to order, and we're really hungry. It's late, oh, so shit. we'll order <laughs> you guys some food, right? <laughs> so, okay, come on. Sure, you're tired of fucking <laughs> eating junk food all the time, but if you're really hungry, you know what's gonna get there for sure? A fucking pizza. A pizza will be True. there, right? Sooner or yeah. later, it will get there. It won't be great, but it will be sustenance. It will fill you up. But Duncan is so tired of eating like junk food yep. and everything, like every day. He's like, uh. Can I get some, and they even come and say, okay, we can order you guys pizzas. And then can I get some sushi? And then, uh, uh, yes. And that's where I knew it was going to go wrong. You can tell the rest of it, Duncan. Yeah. Basically, at the end of the day, like they were like, oh, the food's in the green room or something. So everyone went back there and like everyone else's food's there. And there's just none for me. And I just said, where's my sushi? And they were like, and they just say something mad like, oh, sorry, we couldn't get any. It's like, oh, well, fuck me then. Like, it's literally the end of the whole event as well, the whole end of the day. Like Jacko says, you've been working insane hours. You're also waiting for that food at the end. Like, well, this will make it all worthwhile. Like, you know, the food will be good. And then I'm not even joking. It, I shouldn't even tell this part, but I don't give a fuck. I absolutely, it's one of the rare times I was so fucking triggered that I actually did just go back to the hotel, like lock myself in the room. And I remember like throughout the night, Moses and Yanko sending me messages like, just come to the after party, bro. Like, just get a drink, you'll be cool. I was just like ghosting everyone, like, fuck you all. I'm never going to want to spend again. Like, I was, I, I don't know why, it just, they just got me, I was at my weakest bit. They got, they just triggered me so hard. Like, I thought if I went to the after party, I was just going to go mental. So I was like, I'm just staying in this room, fuck it. <laughs> 
I'm alone. No one cares about me. I don't have food even. I'm stuck in Ukraine, which, listen, back then you used to be allowed to flame. It's just not the best place to be stuck without food at 11 at night. In fact, I'll tell this story. That's not even rude. It's just actually how hotels are some places. Dude, some of those hotels we went to for Star Ladder, I remember calling down and being like, yeah, can I have like a steak and fries when I got back at like 12? And they were like, yes. And then it just never came. Like, like, what? <laughs> like, and if you called down, right, the guy at the front desk doesn't give a fuck. He'd be like, I will talk to them. Just hang up the phone. Like, what? Like, no, get me the food. Like, there's times I've just gone to bed hungry, mate. It was mental. Oh. Also, people don't know that was the one. I don't know. If, are we, we can tell this story, surely. Yeah. Can we tell the fuck you like from the bottom of my heart? Fuck yes, you. No, story. Yes, absolutely. Oh, there we go. That's that's the same hotel. <laughs> when we were in this hotel, and again, this is why we didn't get many breaks. Anders is scheduled for the first match story. of the day. And uh, literally, Kyle was on the same side of the hotel. I remember messaging Anders at like three in the morning, like, can you hear that drilling sound? And there's someone with like a jackhammer in the opposite <laughs> building, like mm, three in the morning, by the way, guys, on like a weekday. And then when Jan, when, when Anders rings down, he says, like, oh, there's a, there's a, seems to be someone hammering on the other bit. And they just go, yes, we, we look into it and sort it. And then just hang up the phone again and don't do anything. And I remember after like four hours of this shit when he hasn't slept, <laughs> just in the group chat, because by the way, I wish we could tell more group chat stories. Some oh, of the course. shit written in group chats is the greatest <laughs> stuff of all time. But Anders just writes in there, right in the, not, we always have two group chats, by the way, guys, there's our one with the talent and then the talent and the people who are the production. Anders just writes in the production one, like whoever scheduled this tournament, like, so I work in the morning game from the, like a heartfelt fuck you. <laughs> and Anders would never do this, bro. Like th that's how you know he was at his he limit, was so mate. He's broken. He's a broken so man. He did, he did, he did the, the late game, game the day. Yeah. yeah, he had the late shift. Oh, you're right. Yes. So they so, gave him like the night and then the morning the next day. And then it was yes. the drilling. So he just said a heartfelt fuck you to whoever came up with this schedule. <laughs> oh, man, here's the thing, though. What you're talking about now, though, this not? is what gets you through events because somehow there's a fucked up thing that everyone has, well, in our generation anyway, where if you're both getting wrecked, but then the other guy's getting wrecked more, you just sort of, like, <laughs> laugh at him, like, oh, look at him, <laughs> he's all triggered and getting fucking wrecked. And that, like, alleviates your getting wrecked in some way. Like, in that moment, I was wrecked too. But when I saw that message, like, I had just, like, a huge smile on my face lying in my bed, not able to sleep at six in the morning. I'm like, well, Anders is fully triggered. They've got him. It's like, I don't know why that would be funny, by the way. It's, it's kind of fucked up. It's like, you don't care. As long as there's someone who has it worse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, You're... they got him. They won't get me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Fucking no. What was another good major we did? What 2017 were the majors then? There was Krakow, Krakow. and there was Face Not It. Right. No, Face It was, was 2018. Face It was 18. 17 was... Atlanta and Krakow. Yeah, yeah Atlanta right. and Krakow. Boston was good. Boston was really good. Boston was a good major. Must be I, nice I, to get invited to work that event, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's all good. I'm sure you guys had a great time. Here's the thing, in a fucked oh, up this way, is, but this, this, is, is also... this is totally sour grapes, but in a fucked up way, because FaZe didn't win, I, like, listen, I'm a sort of, I am a hater of underdog teams. I would have been so salty that fucking cloud down <laughs> won that final. It's probably, I would have had the same face as Nico, mate, when the confetti came it's... down. Like, probably a good thing I wasn't there, mate. I would have been such a hater, it's unreal. It's so funny because this major in Atlanta, right, like, I mean... I, I, I broke through in 2016, right? And they just get two analysts. They don't really invite me, you know, um, and, and that's okay. And then Duncan is like, even tells them and tweets out, like, uh, I'm not doing like uh, the next uh, major if they don't hire him. But if they don't hire YNK, I'm not doing it. And then, <laughs> you know, 
Something happens. I was a right. Bridge, a bridge, <laughs> <laughs> a well, I didn't know was they could just hire Jan Cole without me, so I didn't think it through all that one. Did I, Moses? Technically, they gave me my wish, like, but absolutely <laughs> fucked me, haven't they? Uh, yeah, so did you, you, you did know. Richard. I did. No, he did in a way we did the package, because if people don't know, it's just because he never agreed that with me. Like, he just said to ESL, like, we're a package. And I was like, I mean, I've taken, I told you, I've taken, he never said that. Like, we never made an agreement. And so then when they hired me back, it's like, they didn't hire Richard. It's like, oh, well, sorry, Richard. So yeah, I'm off to, <laughs> off to clone me. Peace. Thanks for all the loyalty in that. <laughs> yeah. That's, I was a, like, that's just how things work. They invited me to come to Diva and I'm like, Duncan, uh, you know, I, I really do appreciate you, you know, st- sticking up for me, but, you know, I can't really. Yeah, you can't say no. You can't yeah, say no. Of course I, I, not. I can't really say no. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! There were some crazy fucking moments. I don't care. You know, I don't. I don't think Tom is going to give a shit. But dude, he wants like. I'll never forget the one time he had his AirPods in during a segment. Holy <laughs> shit. Like, oh, I was he listening was, to like the, the he was, sports he, or something. No, he, was a a he was on a call. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? He was at a desk during a desk open and he was listening into like a corporate <laughs> meeting at the same time. And, and, and like the host asked him a question and he just like turned his head and stared blankly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot this is good. He was that work for like JP Morgan yeah. or something mental, was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was exactly. So I don't know if it, if it was either that it might have or, been like or early he was on already in Immortals, like oh, early okay. on, you know. I'm not sure, but it's just Tom is like such a mental guy sometimes. That's so like, ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it's just the blank stare where it's like, I have nothing to say, so I will not be saying a word at all. And you're like, oh, great, thanks, moving on. By the way, I'll, I'll just make a point here. It's like, it sort of plays to my favor, but I think it's a good point. Doesn't that also show you? Because I have a new theory, right? In the same way as I always say in video games, if you've ever played the game League of Legends, people say, oh, the people that play that game are so toxic. It's like, bro, it's like daughter, the game is toxic. Like, it's such <laughs> a frustrating experience. It makes you toxic. Like, the joke is, sometimes you're playing a stack with your friends and you forget one of them's your mate. And you start typing, like, what the fuck's the jungler doing? Like, oh, shit, that's actually my mate. Like, what the fuck? And, and you just realize, like, oh, what the, the game's just made me like that. Dude, that's what Twitter does to everyone. Because think about these people that we're going to list. Me. Tommy, Maui, on Twitter, we are the worst received people ever. We're the villains, pieces of shit. In real life, all these people are chill as fuck in the fucking grid. They're just cool people to be around. Like, everyone's having a good time. No one's getting triggered off that shit. Just somehow Twitter just brings out, like, I think it just causes the most confusion in what you mean or something, you know? No, of course not. And also, I always used to say this when people were like talking shit about you. I'm like, you do understand that his persona on social media and on the broadcast, and if you actually know him personally, are two, three different like types. You know, you're not getting the same level of everything because people always loved when you're, you know, you're talking a lot of shit on on Twitter, right? But you 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 were always like fine on the desk. You never said outrageous no, shit. No. Like if anything, you were always giving like people more praise and trying to like, you know, come up with these like good ways to narrate the storylines, right? Like, which was really cool. But the problem is people can only see the one thing, you know, and then they don't care. Then they painted a picture of you based on what they see on, let's say, social media. And then when they watch the broadcast, they're not even listening to what you're saying. They're just, ah, here he is talking shit again. And you're just like praising one of one. They of the also, people. I always thought people always didn't understand. I even like tailored it to the broadcast. Like if you ever do look at when I came back to ESL, dude, I was mega professional. I think I don't think I ever swore once. Like I just stuck to like cool angles. Like you're saying, like a, a storyline or I have like a player. I'm going to like lay out a thing about why like 
Liquid's going to win the Grand Slam or something. Like, I was actually being super professional on those ones. People just remember the events where, like, a lot of the best moments was when it was just a clown show and we were just, like, filling and people were in your, no one's in your ear. Events, yeah. yeah, exactly. Or the events where you just, the comms speak to you in Russian or the wrong mics open. Like, on those ones, you think, well, fuck it. I'm just going to well, say what oh, I that was you. That was a good one. <laughs> Another Starlighter where it was, like, you, me, Maniac. I think Matt was hosting the desk, Sadokist. Yep. And we start the segment and like you and me, our mics are off and <laughs> we can't hear anything. And like the production is like 10 meters, 15 meters across from us, like set up in the open. And we're trying to, you know, on talk back or, or Matt is talking on the broadcast. Like, hey, if production can just uh, sort of, <laughs> no one's reacting. And I take the headset off, walk away from the desk and like shout over like in, in basic Russian, hey guys, like, uh, can you help us out? <laughs> you know, something like that. And, you know, then it starts working after like Hell, hell of a lot seconds. better than giving you access to the entire audio at the desk of the event, which is <laughs> it's a mental concept. Here's what people don't know about that, though. That's why that was sick, because the problem is, the only <laughs> thing you all know from Counterpit 2 is the guy like, put your cans in the... That was just the event, mate. It was like a two-day event in Croatia. And even though, by the way, Croatia's beautiful, and we were having all the chavapis backstage, like <laughs> the fucking banger kebab type food they have in the Balkan area. Like, essentially, the tournament was just all right. Like, a couple of the games were good, but the, so many problems with production that, like, that's the pie, That's why Yanko was doing that way. He was just fucking with, like, the sound and bringing it down on parlor. Also, by the way, that I just learned in that time, just it, that type of hosting wasn't for Paul. I don't know how he is now. That was years later. He did it again. But back then, I, I'm amazed he was so good in his like YouTube videos because he wasn't really like that good at freestyling, to be fair, which is where at that area you had, that was, you had to be your strength as a host because you don't know what problems are going to hit you. You don't know if you're going to have to Dude, fail. That was like, the era of tech yeah. issues. You fail either like 20 minutes or yep. two hours. You had never had any fucking idea. Dude, I remember at that event in Serbia, the one where it was the, the fucking World Cup type thing of a jig and everyone mm. knows all the problems, right? <laughs> one time was we had to do an insane fill where they said in his ear, like 25 minutes or something. So Scoots just turns to me and goes, Dorian, could you just run through all of the changes that have happened in the French scene since the beginning of CSGO? And I have to go like, yeah, well, in very games, they started with like RPK and Kenny S, didn't they? And then they moved shifted to screen. And it's like, I did a whole 10 minute thing. And it's like, that's that's how bad the fills were. <laughs> that he just had to say like, can you just talk for 10 whole minutes, basically, without stopping? It's like, oh, yeah, sure, Scott. But they were like, oh. <laughs> like, the, end, this, the best thing about that event, by the way, one of my favorite things ever, was they had like a super old setup on all the sound and all the like boxes and shit. And basically, Basically, we could never get it good, but because Scoots is actually a veteran of production and done like real shit, like the Olympics and stuff, he got like the box to be like 70% decent, like almost the right levels. And every time this <laughs> fucking random guy from the crew would just walk up and start just like literally just twiddling knobs like whoop, 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 whoop. And Scoots was going actually fucking metal, just going like, what the fuck? Stop touching that fucking box, man. Stop touching the box. Like, <laughs> it was like the end of fucking seven or something. Stop touching the box, man. What's in the box? Like, it's outrageous, mate. Because <laughs> people don't know, but those those were like wars back then. Those events, you just survived them. You just oh, tried yeah. to survive. Those, those were the fucking yeah. trenches. <laughs> you know like, but everything. What? I, that's what you guys don't know how professional we made those broadcasts. Look. Like we were, we were hurting inside. I've, I, dude, you know this, Yanko. At PGL Stockholm, when we were in the studio in Romania. 
there was a whole segment where we had like a buzzing static sound oh, in our yes. ears. You know, like when you go to plug like a guitar into the amp, if you don't pl plug it in fully, it goes like, it was just doing that the whole time. The whole time we're like trying to signal like, there's problems, problems in the back. I can't, <laughs> I can't hear anyone. I know, Please. we literally almost can't hear each other, Moses. We're just having to like lip read what people are saying and then just try and make points. And the worst thing is we just carry the segment and pretend there's nothing wrong. Yeah, or the yeah, dude, the, the fucking Russian conversations in your ears. Oh, was, that's the worst. When they open the wrong channel up, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you're like, please, could someone turn off the production mic? And they can't even they can't even understand what you're saying. So they you have to wait for them to realize it themselves. Because <laughs> you know the worst. Yeah, exactly. You've nailed it. It's one thing if they did it accidentally for like five seconds, they would just leave the whole channel open until informed. So you're in the middle of talking. It's like, yeah, I actually think on map two. It's like, <laughs> like I, I can't. Uh, that's because if you don't know, guys, it does like. Something of a circuit jamming thing in your head when somebody do that. Like imagine if you're talking and someone's right in your ear the whole time just saying random things, you know, it's like blah, 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 blah. you'd be like, shut the fuck up, I can't think. <laughs> but you're on broadcast, you have to pretend like I'll speak a bit slower. Yeah, I think on train they might like just wait for it to stop. Never stops uh, as well. Never does, no, of course. It never does. Uh boys, I hate to say it, I got about five, I have eight minutes left if we uh not to derail the fun conversation, but I have to derail the fun conversation. Um, it yeah. should have just been the podcast. Yeah, just end there. Yeah. We can't just edit there. We can no, just. No, no, I said like, I mean, this should have just been like this last part should have just been reminiscing. The fucking, yeah, we'll do we'll do a reminiscing episode when um when when CSGO officially comes to an. That's end. a good idea. Yeah, yeah, we'll get like Richard and, and Duncan on, and we can just go over the good old times. Especially because here's the thing. We've told some stories on By the Numbers, but I also feel like there's got to be a statute of limitations. Like some of the <laughs> shit from the really early days. Those people aren't even in esports and we don't work with them. Like, I feel like we can tell some of the more mad stories. Yeah, surely. And, and even some of the even some of the ones with people who are still working at esports. I don't give a fuck. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> all right. Like, well, like you, Jason. Yeah, like me. Dude, tell all my stories. I got I got no skeletons in my closet, baby. Wait. Yeah, I'm not Steen. Is that true? I have a couple. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that was episode 45. GG's. Peace.